This guy, Flash Thompson, he probably deserved what happened. But just because you can beat him up, it doesn't give you the right to. Remember, with great power comes great responsibility. What are like some of the craziest villains that you guys have fought? Seems you've met some of them. <laughs> That's a good question. Yeah, I fought a, an alien made out of black goo once. Oh, no way. I fought an alien too, on Earth and in space. Oh. Yeah, he was purple. I want to fight an alien. I'm, I'm, I'm still like that you fought an alien in space. <laughs> I'm lame compared, like I fought a Russian guy in a, like a rhinoceros machine. Can, can we rewind it back to the I'm lame part? Because you are not. No, thanks. No, yeah, I appreciate that. I'm not saying I'm lame. But I'm just saying the like... self-talk maybe we should, you yeah. know. Listen. Because uh... you're, you're amazing. Just to take it in for a minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can you, take it in. No, I can take you it in. are amazing. I can take it in. You are amazing. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Will you say it? No, I kind of needed to hear that. Thank you. I never thought I'd be able to do any of this stuff, but I can. Anyone can wear the mask. You could wear the mask. If you didn't know that before, I hope you do now. I'm Spider-Man. I'm not the only one. She was a bad bad, nevertheless. Calling it quits now, baby. I'm a wreck. Crash at my place, baby. Hello, welcome to your friendly neighborhood podcast, The Extra Credits. I'm Trey. And I'm Kelsey. Today we will be ranking all nine Sony Marvel Spider-Man movies in preparation for Spider-Verse 2. I'm so excited. I'm very excited. Here to help us with that exercise is our own guy in the chair. (laughs) Someone with big Ned Leeds energy, (laughs) but also someone who sort of looks like Harry Osborn, if I must say. It's James Stack. He is hot. Thanks for coming on. I am so excited, guys. I thought you were going to say I'm so hot. (laughs) Uh, you ready? I'm so ready. Yeah. So uh, our longtime listeners and Letterbox followers know this, but we've been revisiting all the Spider-Man films leading up to this episode. Kelsey, I've seen these movies many times. I know James has too, because superhero movies and 80s action movies are basically the same thing to our millennial childhoods. How was your experience watching these movies for the second or third time, or even the first or second time in some cases? So I had seen all of these movies, I thought. Yeah. Um, and I and it turns out <laughs> I have seen all of them, like on TNT, just reruns. They were always playing throughout my house, especially the Tobey Maguire ones. Yeah. But I had never seen Spider-Man 3. I really thought I had because I had seen <laughs> oh boy. clips of yeah. the black suit, and I've seen, you know, Toby McGuire, not Toby McGuire, um, uh, Eric Foreman. Oh, Topher Grace. Thank you. Yeah. And I had never seen it. So yes. I'm so excited to talk about <laughs> Spider-Man 3. Mid-watching Spider-Man 3, Kelsey goes, I can't believe you didn't make this a live watch. And I was like, I honestly <laughs> thought you were going to hate this. It was a crazy experience. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I want to start off with our earliest memories of Spider-Man. James. Can you think back for a second? Like, was it television, movies, video games? What do you think it was for you? It's a little murky. Okay. Um, I remember there was a late 90s and early 2000s animated Spider-Man series that I would oh, yeah. watch. Um, 
probably in the early 2000s, just reruns of seasons that had run in the mid to late 90s. Yeah. Um, and I had this comic book also. I can't remember for the life of me what it was. I know there was an origin story about Peter Parker becoming mm-hmm. Spider-Man. Um, but beyond that, I think my clearest memory of Spider-Man was in 2002 when the original Spider-Man came out starring Tobey Maguire. Mm-hmm. Um, and going to the theater, I think I was eight or nine years old with my parents And seeing that in the theater was just amazing. And my dad, after the movie was done, he would mimic the Norman Osborn Green Goblin laugh. (laughs) Wow, that's incredible. And he would just like throughout the entire house, he'd be like, (laughs) 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 freak us out. Um, So that's my earliest kind of memory and interaction with (laughs) Spider-Man, but also just seeing him as this kind of icon to look up to in a relatable way. Yeah. Has your dad seen um, the Tom Holland ones, you think? Uh, no, he's kind of staunchly against kind of the big Marvel market. The MCU. Yeah. You got to show him, uh, you know, No Way Home. Yeah. Well, for Norman Osborn. Seems like your dad was early on hating MCU. I love that. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. He's, he's a, he's, he's pretty stingy with what movies he, he watches. No, I so respect that obviously it. He's rubbed off on me a bit. Yeah. <laughs> and Kels, for you, I feel like superhero movies, they must have started with Spider-Man. Did you have something else? Um, I mean, I feel like Batman, right? Like Michael Keaton, Batman. Mm -hmm. A lot of the Batmans were much bigger in my house, but I think Spider-Man's like the next biggest superhero in my early life. Like I felt like we had a lot of toys, Batman, Spider-Man. I knew the most about Spider-Man and Batman. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah. Yeah, I feel like Batman and X-Men were really, really universal properties. At the at that point in time, I X-Men feel like Spider Man too. Yeah. yeah, those three are the big ones. I think. Well, I was never into uh, Superman. Okay, that's never, interesting. Never got into Smallville. Like I didn't really know anything oh. about Superman. Man, Smallville was. Yeah. I always thought he was a boring guy. Smallville for me, was amazing. Yeah, <laughs> young teenage boys. So I collected a lot of cards and um, comics as a kid, like uh, sports cards and superhero comics, like Spider Man, X Men, or Batman. And my dad was a stay-at-home parent and we would go to collectible stores a lot in the summertime and I would just sometimes spend hours just combing through boxes of, of like pop culture, really. Um, and I think that probably says a lot about my identity today because I was very obsessive over the stats of like players through different sports, even baseball, which I really don't have any feelings toward. I would just like start memorizing things about different stats or different players. And the same goes for powers of superheroes or origin stories. I would just try to like create connections between these, like these athletes that we, that we praise and superhero figures. I remember being very young and doing that often. And obviously I think now I fully transitioned to like film and television when it comes to like obsessions. And again, the letterboxd followers know that, but I think my earliest memory of Spider-Man was probably reading different comic runs. And then specifically, like James just said, I remember Spider-Man, the first Raimi film coming out in 2002. I was seven years old in the summer that we saw it. I was, it was like June and my mom took me to see it. And I recently asked her for this podcast, what were the first films I ever saw in the movie theater? And she said that Spider-Man was actually the third or fourth. But oh, can wow. you guys guess? I already know. What one or two of the movies were that I saw first? In Titanic? The movie no. Pocahontas. I actually didn't see the full Titanic until just recently. Not Pocahontas. Okay, so Harry Potter. 
Well, Harry Potter was the second one. Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone was the second movie I saw in theaters in 2001. The first movie I saw in theaters was actually, I was, I was five years old, 1999. It was Pokemon 2000. The oh, movie. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> Where Ash Ketchum, spoiler, gets bodied yeah. in that film. And that destroyed so me sad. The Pokemon yeah, as a films child. were a, Pikachu's a whole tier. event. Yeah, that wow. and Scratch and Sniff, like Rugrats. Oh, yes. Oh, Wild Thornberries. Wild Thornberries. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So... <laughs> In preparation for this podcast, I was realizing how much of a hold that Spider-Man and Batman have over the superhero genre because they had a hold over my childhood. And I think even though, Kelsey, you're right about Superman, it didn't have the same impact, especially that earlier film that was a remake. And then the X-Men movies and the Avengers movies, I think, are kind of in that next tier of having a huge impact on like young millennials in the early 2000s because they didn't hit that Iron Man, you know, 2008 peak yet. Mm -hmm. But specifically, I think the worlds of Spider-Man and Batman have been repackaged so many times. Yeah. Kelsey, we did a Batman history pod about almost like a year ago now. I forgot about this. Yeah. Which is wild. We've <laughs> For the had Rob, Rob Pattinson. Rob Pattinson Batman, movies. Yeah. yeah, the Matt Reeves film. So like we've had the Batman, Bruce Wayne conversation, but we've never talked about why Spider-Man is everywhere in pop culture today mm -hmm. and in so many different mediums. So I kind of want to talk about for a little bit before we get into these rankings, what Spider-Man means to the culture, specifically starting with the comics. I'm not a huge comic book fan today, even though I read a lot as a kid. I know, Kelsey, I know you're I not. I did not, James. Yeah. Very infrequently. Yeah, so if you're a longtime Spider-Man lover and you've read all the comics... We're not going to be here for you, but we will be here for you for the movies. Yes. But, you know, for new listeners who are, who are not familiar with the comics, obviously you have Stan Lee, Steve Ditko, the artist responsible for the amazing Spider-Man run. That's the main run that people always turn to is the kind of like origin story to this character in the 60s. And there are tons of different Spidey comic universes today. So I'm not going to run through all of them because the comics, if people don't know, still exist. And there's tons of different lines. And Marvel's done a good job of giving people a way to access all those things on their websites for comic book fans. But the comics were a huge commercial success throughout the 60s and led to live action Spider-Man television shows, which are pretty tough to watch today, but are interesting to look back on that are kind of reminiscent of the early Batman live action shows mm -hmm. okay. that we checked out and movie. Yes. Um, yeah. There was also a Japanese Spider-Man film in the 70s. That's interesting. You can check out on I've YouTube. Seen clips of that. Yeah, that's fascinating. And then there are just many iterations of Spider-Man animated shows. The first one I watched was the 80s Spider-Man and his uh, amazing friends, if you guys remember okay. that at all. They mm, kind of like sat no. together in their superhero was, layer and they were getting ready to go out and fight crime. That was, was like a whole thing. Was he working with the Fantastic Four a few times? It was sort of like that. I believe series. it was like Stargirl and I forget who the other character was. Um, it's I'm blanking right now. But there were, there were a few different characters that they all fought together with. I remember watching that very young. But I was watching some clips, clips this morning of older animated series from Spider-Man. I got a ton of nostalgia, specifically the Spider-Man uh, animated show uh, that had the biggest influence on me was the uh, 90 Spider-Man, the animated series, 100%. which James, I've never played anything live on the pod before, but I want to see your reaction to this one minute intro, because even if you remember the show, this intro to this okay. show that opened up every episode of the 90 Spider-Man show is incredible. I'm already smiling. Yeah. <laughs> It's pretty sick. I'll play it for the, the listeners so you guys can hear it in the audio, but James, you're going to be able to hear this live. So let's see. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Do you remember that, like, electric guitar yes. opening to so many shows? I think they kind of brought this score back 
This in the is... amazing Spider-Man yeah. with Electro. That's, yeah. I feel like I'm sitting in my family room as a child yeah. right now. I haven't seen this intro in, in probably 25 years. Um, That's what I'm saying. It's been so long. Oh my Also, God. the Green Goblin fit, the yellow. Also, like, this animation style was shared by so many different shows, so it feels really nostalgic. Yeah. Oh, this is so weird. I mean, the, the Rogue's Gallery, ones. all the villains are crazy. Yeah, the Punisher was on there. See, that's the thing. Like, we'll talk about it today, but... It's amazing. The villains look so much cooler animated because Spider-Man yeah. villains are so, like, exaggerated. Yeah, they're so vivid and colorful, and, and yeah, it's hard when the movies try to, like, capture that. Yeah. yeah. It gets a little corny sometimes, but yeah. I guess we'll... So the CGI we'll gets better yeah. throughout all the <laughs> movies, luckily. So... Like I said, I watched that for the first time since this morning. Uh, listeners, I hope you also hit nostalgia. I was like Googling what channel did I watch that on? And I was looking at like Fox Kids channel or WB Kids. And I was trying to remember all these like kid channels that we had that, you know, children today would never understand where right. it was like trying to find animated shows and what, what companies owned, like what Waystar Gojo companies <laughs> owned, <laughs> what properties fans, and, yeah. Yeah, and which were distributing which. Um so I haven't seen this opening, like James said, in like 20 years. And I literally, a wave of nostalgia hit me. Like I felt like I was tasting Go-Gurts while watching oh my the God. trailer. Or, and I was like eating kid cuisine brownies yes. or something. The or like Lucky Charms response, yeah. marshmallows. Yeah. Just Those took me to like a different place. brownies from kids cuisine are still in our bodies. Yeah. yeah. Well, it definitely was not a nice Sunny taste. D. Yeah. Sunny Delight where there was like yeah. no oranges in that. Absolutely not. Uh, but my brain was like struggling to watch what I was processing. So I remember it being a great show. Um, obviously nothing can live up to the X-Men animated series, I think, and Batman the animated series. But this was a very good show. And there are also, like, in my memory, a lot of Spider-Man toys and yeah. costumes, mm-hmm. like a Halloween, yes. for sure. I remember dressing up as Batman, dressing up as Spider-Man, and those are probably going on in our homes throughout the 2000s. And uh, while there are, like, at the same time, multiple Spider-Man animated shows are airing, which is kind of confusing. There's, like, a lot of different iterations of mm-hmm. Spider-Man. And then at the same time, around 2002, we get Sam Raimi and Tobey Maguire, thanks to Marvel licensing Spider-Man over to Sony and Columbia Pictures in 1999. So only three years later, we get 2002 Spider-Man. And basically now in 20 years since 2002, we've had nine Spider-Man movies. Mm-hmm. And That's we're wild. about to have a 10th one under the Sony and Marvel labels when Spider-Verse 2 comes out this week. Oh my God, I'm so excited for Spider-Verse 2. I know. Um, I, I feel I, like I didn't really, I mean, I know I loved Spider-Verse, like the original one, but... Mm-hmm. Well, I'll, I'll save it for my ranking. Yeah, I, don't I was about to give say, away how much feelings. did you love it? I don't want to give it any feelings. But before we like get into it, because I'm just confused, like who owns what movies? Like are they Marvel movies? Like Disney? Are they Sony movies? Like is the Spider-Verse 2? Is that a Sony movie? It's Sony. So I think honestly, not only are fans like us confused about ownership rights, I think honestly, when you listen to heads at Marvel and Sony, it sounds like they're, they are confused, (laughs) like literally confused. There was a Sony email hack that came out and like a bunch of emails got leaked out of Sony recently in the past, like six, seven years. And when that happened, they actually had to like listen to fans because they saw 
the disagreements that we have through email exchanges of higher ups. And we're like, wait, you want to just make Tom Holland movies in Sony? No, we want that in the MCU. And so Sony had to kind of cave a little bit to kind of keep their fandom. Oh, Cause they were alive. trying to take Tom Holland from us. Right. Exactly. Especially after civil war. And that was like a big deal because he just got introduced to us. And right. There was a, oh, there was I a do. moment before that. homecoming yeah. where he was People like, are we going to make a movie it. or not? Yeah, exactly. So if anyone's interested in the Sony and Marvel collaboration, it is a shit show and I'll go ahead <laughs> and put the link to a great, explanation video or article in our description of this podcast. I'll try to explain it really clearly here. Basically, there is a profit-sharing dispute that's been going on for more than a decade. Um, both companies have a, a co-parenting agreement over the Spider-Man IP, but specifically that character. And everything else about the Spider-Man universe and all the different characters in it, like villains or side characters, mm -hmm. that world at large are all under the Sony label. There isn't any kind of Marvel connection. Interesting, okay. So even though people think of Marvel when they think of Tom Holland, or right. maybe they even think of Marvel when you watch uh, Miles Morales in Spider-Verse, that Peter and Miles character are both owned by Sony. Uh, so they have the IP. But Sony has made a few profit-sharing deals over the years with Marvel. I believe the current one ends in 2026, where basically Sony gets the profit majority of standalone uh, Spider-Man films. Okay. So like Homecoming, Far From Home, and No Way Home, Sony's getting, I think, like 75 plus percent of those movies. Okay. Um, huh. Where Marvel gets the smaller bits, right. what they put up to produce okay. it, kind of. Um, all that to say, what's crazy about this is if Sony wanted to start making more Tobey Maguire Spider-Man movies mm -hmm. or Andrew Garfield movies at the same time as Tom Holland being in like an Avengers movie in King Dynasty in 2025, they could technically Sony could be making an Andrew Garfield third Amazing Spider-Man movie. Oh, at the interesting. Same time. Okay, so we could have two Spider-Mans operating in two different universes, which they've already set up for us. Which some people have speculated that. Hmm. Could I wonder if happen. he would ever do yes. it. Yes, maybe Andrew Garfield. Yeah, honestly, anything's possible with him now. That's and true. And Tobey Maguire seemed like he was like having like a late midlife crisis during yeah. that Spider-Man Far From Home movie, so I think he'd be down too. <laughs> Um, so I, I just saw like when you were uh, talking about all the TV shows, I was looking up uh, Spider-Man and friends mm -hmm. uh, or whatever you're talking about the show you yeah, watched the growing show. up. Yeah. Cause I didn't see that, but now there's a new 2021, a little Spidey, like, mini characters. Yeah. And amazing friends. Yeah. Like cartoon show on Disney plus. Yeah. It's oh. like, so wonder, Titans go. like, yeah, yeah. It looks like that. So, I guess, I mean, that's really cool for people who have kids. Maybe kids, you can hit yeah. us up and let us know how that is. Yeah, it has a 75 wild percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Okay, so. pretty solid. Got to check it out. Yeah. There's a lot of Spider-Man animated mean, we, shows. We will definitely not check that out. Like, we, we, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, speak for yourself. I remember watching the Spider-Man MTV has, like, show. Basic that was rough. Like <laughs> um, so to kind of cap off this Sony conversation, all they like have to do with Marvel now, any kind of Sony picture, like for Spider-Verse 2, you're going to see when you watch that movie that it'll say in association with Marvel, okay, which yeah. is very different from being produced by Marvel Studios, if that makes sense. So I mean, I'm still confused, but... In, associ <laughs> in association with Marvel basically is like a deal that they uh, that Sony put into their Spider-Man IP rights in 1999 that if anything they make with Spider-Man just has to like allude to the fact that right. it was a Marvel character okay. that was created in the comic books. But produced by Marvel Studios means it was made at Marvel Studios, which yeah, is like okay. a big deal, um, which I believe is similar to Deadpool in X-Men before Disney acquired 21st Century Fox which if people don't 
know about how big of a deal that was in like 2018, whenever it was. It, that's like if Disney purchased Waystar Studios uh, from Again, Succession, for our Succession World. Fans. Yeah, <laughs> for our Succession listeners out there. So that literally just happened recently, which is why there are Fantastic Four characters in Doctor Strange 2, Multiverse of Madness. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah, that's that where John sense. Krasinski's character. Right, I yeah. See. Yeah, so that okay. only happened because of that that purchase. So that is kind of the shit show that is the Sony Marvel collab on Spidey. Um, by the way, today in our ranking, we are not including Venom, Morbius. Oh yeah, good to... The Craven movie Carnage. that's coming out in the future. Madam Web is coming out in the future. Anything going into what Sony calls the SSU, <laughs> which is the Sony Spider-Man universe. Okay. Oh, dear. <laughs> uh, I think there's another one starring Bad Bunny coming out soon. Like the only movie that we're including that is from Sony without much Marvel input, from what I understand at least, is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. That's the only movie we're including into yeah. this nine because... It literally is Spider-Man. Yeah, yeah it's, it's the Toby film. movies, the Andrew Garfield movies, Tom, Tom Holland, Holland and mm-hmm. Miles Morales. Poor directors and writers and all the creatives that we're just calling. Yeah, them, we're like, just like actors. this, the star yeah. of this movie, <laughs> it is their movie. Um, but uh, yeah, I think, and I also just to let everyone know, like we haven't seen the, well, I haven't seen the Venom movies. Okay. The which I've, movies? I've only seen the, Venom. the first oh, one. Oh, Venom? Yeah. Yeah, I've never seen either of them. Yeah. I love Tom Hardy though. Yeah, me so too. I'm down to watch them. I don't I, know why we haven't seen them. I think it's because the ratings were so low for both movies, and we just never got around. Yeah. I love Woody Harrelson though, and apparently he's in one of them. He's in uh, Carnage. I think is the That's second, the second one. one? Yeah. I'm down. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we've gotten nine Spider-Man films in 20 years. We're about to get 10, and we also have something that I haven't talked about at all, which is kind of maybe even more important to me than the majority of these films, which are the video games, which. I don't video game as much as I used to, you know, with like two full time jobs of teaching and extra credits. But James, you did get me to play the 2018 Spider Man game. Oh yeah! During the pandemic, uh-huh. which I was really happy to do because I think the PS2 Spider Man games and specifically the Spider Man Two game is one of the best games I've ever played, like in my life. And I also feel like this game that you showed me is maybe one of the best games ever I've ever played in my life. I know we talked to Adam Vollerich on the last of us video game pod. And he said that was also one of his favorite games. What is it about that game that really kind of struck a chord with you knowing that you have all these other kind of origin stories of Spider-Man? Like, was it that different? Um, For me, it finally captured like the feeling of being kind of a, a superhero in a city yeah. and and totally uninhibited by kind of the I guess the technical limitations of gaming mm-hmm. that we Is experienced it an growing game? up it's a open world RPG yeah. game okay. um based on the island of Manhattan um and, and it's so, way more of an extensive map than I thought it would be it's too. massive yeah it's a huge map oh I I played one fight of this yes you did it was really difficult to like swing a lot of square way more than I thought <laughs> a lot so, of a lot of button smashing took, so. yeah t- it took a lot of work to to beat that one boss yeah in the, oh was that kingpin maybe oh it, it was kingpin. I think it was yeah. the very yeah. first yeah. boss fight yeah. Um, yeah wow and one of the things though that uh people were really happy about myself included. So when the first Spider-Man games came out, you know, you would whip webs into the sky and you would just swing. And so the realism of like feeling like Spider-Man was, was kind of frustrating for, for people. Mm -hmm. Um, And so this game, Spider-Man 2018 uh, came out and the webs actually attached to the buildings and the physics of the game are as accurate as they could be for a super powered human. Yeah. Um, and so it just adds to this like element of realism. That's like very immersive, very fun. Um, and the story itself, 
while the villains aren't original, the plot line is more mature. And okay. I think a lot of people connected with that. So yeah, thank you for doing a good job of like stepping around any spoilers because I know I it's difficult. I wanted to spoil. I was waiting. No, I, was I don't like, want to. <laughs> okay. Trace less. I'm like halfway it. through, <laughs> and I think when I when I started playing it, I was like almost done with the game, and then we got a new PlayStation around that time, and then all my data was deleted, and I was like, all right, that's sick. So I got to restart it. So that's where I'm at with that game. Um, but I'm very excited to replay that. I know the Spider-Man Two trailer just dropped for the for the next video game, and I believe yeah. there's a Miles Morales yeah video game like too. A, it was like Spider-Man. 1.5 yeah sure where, one of those dlc things uh not a, it was its own separate story and oh really and had its own side characters and and a pretty in-depth plot um and that was about miles morales also an excellent game like okay. I, you know i almost cried at the end of that plot yeah. line it was people so, said that about the 2018 so game good. too that it was emotional yeah. yeah i'm excited um i think i'll probably end up playing it when the Miles Morales film comes out, like the yeah, live action I'll one. Yeah, and I'll watch the pieces that I uh, see Trey playing. And yeah, that's it. exactly, <laughs> from afar. Um, but I'll, I'll try, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about what Spider-Man represents before we get into these rankings and maybe what we were looking for in creating our own list before we make this collective list as a group here today. So let's start off with like Spider-Man, Peter, who this person is, or I guess Miles too, whoever is under the mask, this person usually seems to be a like nerdy bookworm introverted high schooler who gets their power, not by choice, but by accident. Mm -hmm. So throughout like the different iterations of Spider-Man, he's basically like a reluctant hero who is a teenager living in sort of a working class environment in Queens. And I think obviously the, with great power comes great responsibility theme and even the American flag backdrop in a lot of the films throughout most of the movies. There is yeah, a sometimes... Yeah, I didn't realize that until rewatching A lot of them. patriotism. Yeah. yeah, sometimes a not so subtle patriotism about Spider-Man being this working class figure who is trying to make ends meet. And that's where the conflict of his dual identity comes into play because mm-hmm. he's trying to just get through life like as a normal person like us while also trying to save the world. And... You know, there's a certain amount of like New York pride too at the heart of the character that is very true to real life. And James, obviously, like I thought of you because you're from New York. I don't know if you want to talk about how subconsciously that probably impacted you as a kid. Yeah, I think. (laughs) Thinking of Spider-Man and like seeing yourself (laughs) in Spider-Man. I am (laughs) Spider-Man. Are you? Yeah. (laughs) I think, um, so I grew up in upstate New York. Okay. uh, Outside of the capital, Albany. Um and I think when I first saw that movie, when I was, you know, in, in second grade, I must have been second grade. Um, I think that when, you know, I realized Spider-Man took place in New York City, just like a couple hours south of where I was sitting in that movie theater at the yeah, time. Yeah, wow. Um, weird. I feel like there was a certain amount of pride and like uh, weird kind of subconscious ownership over that character. Yeah. Like, oh, like Spider-Man belongs in New York. I am Spider-Man also. (laughs) (laughs) And, and I think you're right. There is still that kind of New York pride around that character. People want to kind of own that character as part of their cultural identity in New York state. And I kind of felt that growing up, um, certain amount of pride, like seeing Spider-Man two, Spider-Man three. Um, for sure. Yeah. And I think also those movies, those Raimi films are also very important probably to a lot of adults at that time, which we, we can never relate to being like, eight years old or whatever in 2002, mm-hmm. but like post nine 11 and the character kind of uniting the people of New York. 100%. That's a big theme of that movie. Yeah. And it's kind of mission really a through line of the character is to kind of uh, be seen by the community of New York city. So 
I don't really have a lot of serious criticisms about the Spider-Man character because we tried to find one about Batman being an anti-hero, but Matt Reeves' film really did a good job mm-hmm. deconstructing the kind of insecurities of Batman, which is why that film is so important, I think, yes. to superhero films and like hopefully where the movies are going in the future. But there is kind of like a not so subtle working class propaganda vibe and writing Spider-Man to just like shut up and keep webbing. Like that is kind of a, a issue. Oh, you mean like the the adults in his life or just people in his life in the story are like, Hey, like you need to just get, do, you need to just do your job right? Okay, and, yeah. and, and stop complaining. Uh, like do your job, be grateful kind of thing going on in the two thousands, Peter Parker arc between both the like McGuire and Garfield franchises. The big issue is that Peter has problems in his life because he's unable to be there for his friends and family mm-hmm. and do his job at the same time. So that's like not my favorite arc in the first five films, not because of like what it implies about, forgiving distant men, but more so I think because it's just not that interesting and you can have, I think you can only have so much sympathy for 30 year old looking dudes who are constantly <laughs> like putting their work over their loved ones. Even if that work obviously in superhero superhero movies is being a superhero. Mm-hmm. I don't think that metaphor is that strong or if, even if you unpack it, it's a little bit kind of weird. No. Yeah. It's definitely something that I picked up on like when we were rewatching them, not something I noticed when, mm-hmm. you know, I had first seen it because there's so much nostalgia attached to the movies, but I think you're right. In spe- especially in the Toby and Andrew Garfield movies, it seems yeah. like that theme is kind of the one that they're like just using again and then mm-hmm. making a Spider-Man movie like 2.0 maybe- or whatever. And then right. I feel like with the Tom Holland movies or the Marvel movies, even though it's not super nuanced, we do have a, a little bit more like, complications of, of the character or like with Marvel, we have Iron Man's philosophy versus like Captain America's like, love it. Can't wait to do civil war one day on this podcast. Oh my God. We're yeah. So much fun. Well, we're going to talk about it a little bit today. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> um, I think you're right. I think recently with the Holland verse and the miles Morales character, Marvel and Sony have obviously hired a group of writers and creatives to adapt Spider-Man's motivations to be more appealing of people yeah. to newer generations and probably younger people mm-hmm. like the Holland movies focus more on Peter and Spidey as a John Hughes, Ferris Bueller like yeah. character. Yes. Yeah. That's a good way to put it instead of a Cameron character from Ferris Bueller. And I think <laughs> that's probably a good move because it's probably not necessary to contextualize or romanticize the fragile male sad boy archetype with yeah. Maguire Spider-Man or I have the, this in my notes or even really like our generation's punk rock anarchist with Garfield. Yep. I, I actually read an interesting critique of Spider-Man and prep for this um, from Sally Kempton, a journalist for the village voice in 1965 said this about Spider-Man in the comics. I wrote this down. She said, Spider-Man has a terrible identity problem, a marked inferiority complex and a fear of woman. He True. is antisocial, uh, castration ridden. <laughs> oh my, oh my God. God. <laughs> uh, racked with an Oedipus complex and accident prone. He is a functioning neurotic. Wow. Uh, and some other critics said Spider-Man is always unsure as to whether he is a helpful vigilante or a clever criminal. And if you look at Spider-Man as a reaction to the Cold War and the Red Scare of the 60s, the character actually more represents a moral paradox people are having at the time because he finds himself between militant leftivis, uh, leftism and angry nationalist prideful conservatives. Hmm. So I think that's a lot of words for basically writers of Spider-Man 
uh, saying that they don't know how to interpret this character mm-hmm. because they're made for so many different backgrounds. And if you read the different comic runs, it does feel like there's always a different person behind the suit because there's a yes. different writer with different opinions about the world. And I think that that's pretty obvious through these three trilogies too, or I guess yeah. Amazing Spider-Man isn't a trilogy. Though I will say it feels like No Way Home feels like an Andrew Garfield cap off to his a movies. A little bit, I think. Yeah, and mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about that later. Um, which I think leads us to an interesting conversation of why Spider-Man resonates with people because i think the fact spider-man and peter or miles whoever wears the suit and takes care of the city the fact that they are not wealthy is really important and uh, i think not necessarily an extrovert too is really important that they just make a lot of like human mistakes Uh i guess and are emotionally volatile just trying to like pay the bills these are all very real human problems and Mm -hmm. qualities we usually do not see with superheroes and that makes you trust the character at a deeper level and maybe believe in the stakes a little bit more when you're, you know, fighting off a dude in a, a leprechaun suit. Like, yeah. You kind of are buying into that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I think the groundedness of most of the Spider-Man stories are surprisingly reasonable relative to a lot of the superhero films we're inundated with today. And I guess the only legit criticism I came through as an adult watching these movies again, even though I love these films, I love the story and I love the Spider-Man character. He's probably, probably my second favorite superhero next to Batman. But the real criticism, which is true of Batman too, is the whole like vigilante versus deputized citizen mm-hmm. aspects of most superhero stories. Yeah. But the, the ones that are most kind of tough to unpack are the grounded superheroes. The ones that like make Spider-Man as like a concept Uh, pretty complicated even if it's done well in practice not to be overly dramatic or whatever but like making a grounded superhero story is very difficult because you're putting a cultural risk out there when you i think when you try and uh make superhero figures um and you place them in environments that look too much like ours Mm -hmm. uh so even though spider-man can be like characterized as a vigilante as J. Jonah Jameson screams a lot (laughs) uh in these movies and even though spider-man is basically wearing an American flag uh, with yep. a spider on it. There is something still something very appealing about the character that is way more innocent and caring than someone like Batman, for example, which I think is like the Matt Reeves Batman film does a great job. Like I said, of unpacking the hypocrisy of the character and concept as an antihero. It's very smart and something that Christopher Nolan did very well too. Um, but I think the reason Spider-Man works for me is because he is that like working class superhero. Yeah. And it's also a coming of age story, right? So there's so many yes. different choices that every, you know, remake can do. And, uh, and there's, like you said, a built in empathy because he's a kid usually. Yeah. A hundred percent. And, and kind of to join both of your ideas together, like he is the everyman kind of archetype mm-hmm. to sound super Englishy. Um, <laughs> I'm an English can teacher. Wear the mask, baby. <laughs> yeah. Just to, just so to let new listeners know we're all teachers here. Yeah. Nothing. <laughs> we are the working classes movie. Speeding propaganda too. <laughs> Be grateful and teach. Trey. Shut up and teach. Well, that's that's the I was reflecting on it and and you know, I think part of why so many people connect <laughs> connect to Spider-Man um is because a lot of people also feel like they're being pointed at and saying yes. shut up and do your job. Yeah. Yeah. And also I think even more as a concept, I guess the reluctant hero is just not something we see as much as I think we should in mm. superhero movies anymore. I yeah. really love the arc. Um, 
I think obviously traditionally white men can only see themselves in those characters because that's what Hollywood has represented. Unless right. you're a comic book reader, which you have seen many different interpretations of a lot of superheroes. But I think now, importantly, with the expansion of Spider-Man specifically, there are tons of backgrounds of Spider-Man that different people can relate to. And the Spider-Verse film, I think, is the best example that you can write authentic stories about superheroes with different identities, whether it's like an Afro-Latino Spidey or a woman. You don't need to like recreate a whole new superhero like some people Mm -hmm. argue you should or any really fictional character, to be honest, even a James Bond character. You can still put people who are from underrepresented backgrounds and write them into IP characters. So even though the Spider-Man character is... I don't want to say controversial, but it is, I think, a little bit... It's it's a murky subject when you're using a grounded superhero like that because you are playing with this kind of, like, um, deputized citizen Yeah, it's the character. same thing that we talked about in our Batman podcast, yeah. too. Yeah. So even though that's all true, I think the past 60 years, it's shown that Spider-Man might be the superhero who allows for a more universal, inclusive American or global superhero, which is... Pretty sick. I mean, we don't really have amazing. anyone else like yeah. that. It is amazing. Yeah. Some would say the, the amazing Spider-Man. Uh, so in terms of the ranking, are you guys ready for this? Oh, I'm God. so ready. Here we go. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about what we all were searching for in ranking these movies. Um, let's talk a little bit about what makes a good Spider-Man movie to us. Yeah. Um, Kelsey, uh, what do you think? I think, so for me, I, what I was realizing in my rankings, because I, I have my own and I'm very confident about it. Yeah. But- uh, the villain, like okay. the villain has to be good for the movie to be good for me. Okay. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of really cheesy Spider-Man villains. And mm-hmm. for anyone who reads the comics and like you're attached to these characters, I've never read any of the comics and I just came to it like knowing and having nostalgia for the Tobey Maguire uh, movies. And mm-hmm. then, um, and just like having nostalgia for the character, but I've always felt like the villains are really cheesy. Like even, Green Goblin, even though I love Willem Dafoe, like just the Power Rangers kind of suit. Like we yeah. were used to that. You yeah, know what I mean? It was kind of rough. Yeah, it was very two, <laughs> like a very 2000s movie. For my suit people out there, that's my favorite suit. Okay. So I love that villain suit. Interesting. Okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, so like even though that's something that I feel like nostalgia for, mm-hmm. it's just something that I realized throughout all of the movies together that there's a lot of like cheese in the villains and uh, yeah. the higher ranked ones are the better villains to me. Also, um, what makes a good Spider-Man movie Less sad boy is, okay. is the answer. I think less emo, Peter. Yeah, I think, or are you into? I think you liked emo, Peter, when we were watching it. Well, Spider-Man that 3. Was, I mean, Spider Man Three. Just as if you're just like stepping back and yeah. enjoying the experience of this like wild, yep. like movie. How almost how a parody even allowed of itself. To be made? It is. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. It, at it times it seems so like it. crazy. Yeah, I think when we itself. watched it, I said I would real, I would play this in the background if if we were having a party. Like yeah. it's, it's so fun to just like come in on a scene and be like, what's happening? Like take on this. I, and <laughs> I think, <laughs> I think I've just be, been sending James and Trey Spider-Man three gifts, by the way, since yeah. I watched it. And uh, I think if you, um, double feature the last Jedi and Spider-Man three as mm-hmm. like comedies, that would be, it would be a amazing. lot of fun. Yeah. Wait, which the last Jedi is the one that basically is making fun of Luke Skywalker as a Jesus figure. Oh, okay. Yeah. I was going to say like Ben Solo and, um, and Spider-Man Toby, like yeah. at oh, Venom yeah. stage. Yeah. hundred percent. Wow. They I didn't think be, about that. Yeah. Oh, you're right. Shirtless Ben. And <laughs> they could both be the shit out of Dom Hall Gleason. Toby. <laughs> but yeah, but I think that for me, like that's, uh, one of the, the key things that as Spider-Man gets less and less like sad boy focused on, 
him like against the world and especially like mm-hmm. the MJ or Gwen characters like it I mean it's a mess it's throughout a mess. the whole all of them like yeah. even the Tom Holland ones for me so it's tough. um but but I think that's like what I, I was noticing in the patterns of my rankings. Okay. And James, what do you think? What would, what made a good Spider-Man movie for you when making your list? Were you oh, conscious man. of that? How much nostalgia tied into it that you can be self-aware of at least? So I think one of the elements is a struggle with identity. Yeah. Um, and I feel like that's one of the biggest through lines thematically. Um, and if that's handled well and in an original way mm-hmm. and in a way that makes kind of psychological grounded sense um, for the character, then I feel like that played a big role. Also, um, I guess, uh, equitable representation of struggle okay, yeah. um, was also really important to me. So not just about like the sad white boy kind of trope, yeah. um, but kind of the more equitable resonance of struggle uh, at a societal level. Yeah. Yeah. I think that kind of like that welcoming environment is something that not to step on my list, but the Tom Holland verse did really well. Like Mm -hmm. the John Watts verse did something that I don't even think people really recognize right now, but when we look back on these movies, when we're older, you know, in like 20, 30 years, I think we're going to see, well, there'll probably be like 20 Spider-Man movies by then, Yeah, but we will probably see a kind of progression. We'll get a true like (laughs) Spider-Verse. Are you ready? James, are you ready to be guessing on that? (laughs) Um, So I'm going to steal both of what you guys said made your list work for you. I think the major conflict of Spider-Man has to be fighting both the real world and the super world and the responsibilities that come with that for me to love the movie. And, and if those, if that kind of like conflict is done well, so like dealing with puberty and a social life or adulting with bills while also going to work every day, being a photographer, but also like at night or during the day, stopping supervillains mm-hmm. as Spider-Man. I think if the movie can kind of support that identity conflict in Spider-Man's life and Peter's life or Miles's life, hopefully equally between trying to get like dinner with MJ and stopping a bank robbery, for example, then it's probably a successful film and very high on my list. And Mm -hmm. then with Kelsey, I think you're right. Like a small note for me is the villain has to reflect like a moral dilemma that Spider-Man is facing in his own life. A hundred percent. I feel like there needs to be some kind of connective tissue thematically to like what Peter's Mm -hmm. going through. Yeah. That, that made me think about also like the villain when they're a foil for the character. Yeah, so yeah. they take the same conflict, but pervert it into yeah. something uglier, you know? Right. So I think, for example, the obvious one would be Norman Osborn and Peter Parker and the first Spider-Man. They're both given power. They have something taken from them and they are both te- seeking vengeance. Um, and Peter sees himself in his villains. And this is where the major theme of, I think, Spider-Man with great power comes great responsibility is like a fully developed idea that's been co- become kind of like a, a trope yeah. or something that people kind of parody cliche, at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah which is unfortunate. Yeah, it's it like is, if Uncle Ben dies, am I even impacted anymore? So <laughs> yeah. that's an interesting question I was going to bring up in our intermission today. <laughs> uh, because I don't know. I don't know if I really care that much if they do show a character like that die. I think the Aunt May thing is interesting for us to yeah. unpack a little bit yes. when, we, um, when we get there. By the way, spoiler alert for the past 20 years of Spider-Man films. So everybody get okay, ready so for yeah, that. Okay, so yeah, anything can come in. And then are you going to explain like how we're, how we're going to rank them? Yeah, so... Um, well, the last thing I just wanted to note about how I made my list, because I'm just trying to like put it out there now, I really for my future self when we listen back to this okay. and I regret <laughs> making certain slots. When we have the 50 Spider-Man. Kind of going off what Kelsey just said, I care about Peter's relationships to his parental figures, his yeah. friends, and his romantic partners. And 
for me, the movie has to have relationships with those characters that are dynamic. And I have to believe that's a great point that Peter cares about those people. Mm. And uh, it would also be nice to see a woman write a Spidey script, I think, in the future, because all of the women in these films sound as if they are written by men with little experience ever speaking Have to women. Never met a human woman. Uh, for sure. Which I guess is ironically very true <laughs> to the text of Peter Parker <laughs> uh, in Spider-Man. Yeah, we'll talk about the incel taxi driver vibe stuff. Yeah. We're, we're going to get into that too. All right. So <laughs> in terms of how we're ranking, we are doing a collective ranking, the three of us, and we are going to rank all nine Spider-Man films. We're going to take turns. We're going to use a randomizer. Shout out our people at random.org dash list dash nothing. Uh, okay, so... <laughs> the I, first Google search. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and randomize Trey, Kelsey, James, and then I'm going to make the list. Oh, boy. Here we go. Okay, so oh Trey... God. Kelsey James. So the list wow. is going to look like oh, oh, yeah. this. Yeah. It'll go Trey, Kelsey. Because there's nine movies we're, we're ranking. Right. And we're just going in order, right? Right. We're not doing any kind of snake. Right. Just sort order. Of so ranking or draft. Pick number nine will go to me. Number eight will be Kelsey. Number seven will be James. Okay. Number six will be me. Number five will be Kelsey. Number four will be James. Interesting. Number three will be me. Number two will be Kelsey. And number one really is Kelsey because she picks the second pick and whatever's left over, yes. James is left with, with the number okay. one slot. Leftovers, here we so go. So what James gets, uh, well, just to kind of say that out, just to say that again, because I don't want people to get confused. So James is the seventh pick. And he has the fourth pick and he has the first pick. So really, he only gets to choose two movies, the seventh and the Sick. fourth, because the first isn't a pick. <laughs> uh, that's just the first pick is just whatever movie is left after one of us picks the second movie. So because James is at a disadvantage, really, with only two picks. Sorry, James. Yeah, sorry, Tough. James. Sorry, uh, guys. He's going to get a special power, a veto power that James named before we started recording the Peter Tingle. Great name. Uh, that person, James, will be able to uh, veto any selection that is made for me or Kelsey. So, for example, if Kelsey says at the number five pick she wants Spider-Verse and James says Peter Tingle, mm -hmm. Kelsey has to pick a different film to right. the fifth spot in yeah. this ranking. You got it, James? Got it. Okay. okay. It's a special power. And with great Use power. It wisely. Or with great responsibility. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> You're getting it. All right. So just to repeat, it'll go Trey, Kelsey, James, Trey, Kelsey, James, Trey, Kelsey, James. You guys ready? Oh, I'm so go. ready. Oh, okay. okay. <laughs> Trey, you have the number nine pick. <sighs> oh, what is it going to be? The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Oh my God. What? I'm just, I'm just surprised. Okay. Do you, do you know what movie this is? No. Yeah. yeah. Okay. <laughs> um, um, no, I don't, I, I don't really like this movie, but <laughs> okay. um, I'm just surprised you didn't have another one at this slot. Interesting. I thought you liked this a little bit what more. What could that mean? Uh, so I went into rewatching the amazing Spider-Man two thinking I would reclaim it as a funny Spider-Man movie with a tragic through line with Gwen. Yeah. Oh boy. But <laughs> why are you you're talking like you don't you know you can spoil anything. Uh well Gwen gets bodied at yeah. the end. This movie's Tragic. a mess though. It is a fun mess sometimes. Um, because I will say at the top here, I like all of these movies yeah. and I would rewatch them on sure. any given night. Yep. Me too. But this is the one I'd like to watch the least. <laughs> uh but you know, Gwen's death is undoubtedly sad. Um, but it's just a pretty bad movie. And I, I think obviously uh, the highlight is what Andrew Garfield is doing in this movie yes. as a punk rock, Linkin Park listening, anarchist <laughs> Peter. Slash stalker. 
Okay, we'll that get too. to that. Yeah. Uh, Stalker Spider-Man, um, he has like a certain carelessness that is scary sometimes, but also sort of fun when it's played right. I think he's doing the most he can with the writing. That's what I found with this movie. Like when he's talking to Harry yes. Osborne, for example, because mm-hmm. just... I, I don't want anybody to get mixed the up. This rock is scene? the amazing yep. Spider-Man too. Yeah, this, the skipping Down rock the scene's river. great. Um, but like when he's like climbing over posts near the water, uh-huh. talking to Harry um, about MJ, for example, or yeah. I guess Gwen, sorry. Yeah. Um, or like when Harry is telling Peter about his love life and he says, you know, this whole model thing is so exhausting. And Peter <laughs> is like, I know. Just like making fun of him. Like that's great Garfield chaotic energy that he brings to this mm-hmm. version of the character. And sometimes even like an attractive confidence that Andrew Garfield comes through the screen like he's just a very good looking yes. man. Yeah. Um, and I think that's missing from Toby Maguire. Sorry. Uh, wow, that was rude. Sorry, Toby. Tough. <laughs> Tough. <laughs> it just is missing. It is missing from his character. Yeah, there is no, a sex there, appeal that is missing. Yeah, there is like a, an easiness, right? That yeah. and Andrew yes. Garfield just had, even like more so than Tom Holland because Tom Holland feels a little like, Awkward, Zendaya but disagrees. still cute. But, but yeah, like uh, Andrew Garfield has a a an easiness about him. Yes, mm-hmm. there. That's a good way to put yeah. it. He's hot. Um, <laughs> but the movie outside of Garfield and Emma Stone, I don't think it has much else to offer. Like there are cool visual effects, like swinging scenes that I'll get to a little bit later. There's some interesting battles, mm-hmm. and in a vacuum, I like Jamie Fox as an actor. But yeah, it was not his not fault. Not in this movie. The character is very Ooh. weird, like borderline yes. Travis Bickle esque, like Taxi Driver yeah. vibes. Yes, and I think Dan Dehan Dehan is interesting mm. to look at as Harry Osborne, just to like look at it. That's it. But as soon as he starts to talk, I get very uncomfortable. Like I'm watching a bad play. You said when we were watching it, you're like, this is so like gossip girl feeling. Yeah, theatrical yeah. gossip girl. Yeah. yeah. It was just a very Who's the character from Gossip Girl? It felt like Chuck Bass. Chuck yeah, Bass. For sure. He's the guy who wore the and one shorts in Gossip Girl that were like below uh, his knees when he went to play basketball. Oh, yes. Yeah. yeah I didn't. Yeah. That guy. I don't understand that era. I of think the other television film flaw of that movie. The biggest one is that the villains themselves, their motives are very unclear. Yes. I don't really know why they're fighting for what they're fighting for. Yes. Um, to me. He hated me. <laughs> that honestly, kind of, that's, that music honestly kind of goes hard though. It's so great. I'll get to that in a second. It's one of my pros of this movie. Um, I think going to what James you're saying, there are three credited writers on this script, oh, wow. but from what I saw, there are five to six pens that touch this story. Yeah. Uh, and you can feel that in the script and there was well, even one- like the evil German scientist it was like too much. So I was going to say there's one moment at the beginning of this movie that Spider-Man's biggest threat was a Russian German. It, I don't know. It was, He's uh, trying to collect the villains, Russian rhino. Right? Yes. The guy. Paul Giamatti character. Yeah. And I guess there is a German Nazi like figure that's Who's working. That's like a Hydra character Electro. doing yes, yeah. experiment exactly. on Electro. Um, and Peter's biggest threat of this movie, I think, is supposed to be not the actual villains, but the ghost of Gwen's father. Yes. Yeah, yeah. That's like haunting the story, like mm-hmm. literally the ghost of him, which was cringy in certain points. Yeah, yeah. But then you're like, okay, it's fine because this is just like a poorly done Spider-Man identity crisis, like all the other films, but this one just did not do it right. And you get some nice Garfield and Emma Stone work. Yeah, banter. they have some cute moments. They have great chemistry. They do have amazing chemistry. So I think out when of do all we want to talk Spider-Man, about this? All of the Spider-Man, MJ, Gwen, Gwen, MJ characters in real life, okay, the actors and actresses, they've all dated. They've all, or been that engaged. Is yeah. funny. Yeah. I know that. Isn't that so weird? Weird. Um, I think these characters just do things to people. I don't know what it is. Yeah, Toby, Kirsten. 
Emma, Andrew, yeah, and now and Zendaya, Tom Holland are engaged. Yeah, wild. Yeah. Um, so yeah, you get some nice Garfield Stone banter in the first 25 minutes at graduation specifically. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there is a moment where the writing of this film makes you think the movie will be about the consequences of Peter being Spider-Man and how that affects his personal life, just like Rami's uh, Spider-Man 2. Yes. And then maybe you have a villain that symbolizes that conflict, like how the best movies do. But the only thing uh, keeping Peter like going in this movie that makes me kind of like, Oh, let's go Peter Parker. This is the Spider-Man I want to see and root for is his love for Gwen Mm -hmm. where I'm like, this works. So I'm like, okay, 30 minutes into revisiting this movie, I'm into it. But then that first act is finishing and something happens that I just, I can't understand, which is that Peter breaks up with Gwen again, which if anyone (laughs) forgot is literally how the first amazing Spider-Man ended. And I think rewatching all these movies like in order, like on a chronological order, made it seem so wild that they would do that in the second movie just for the drama of it all. You're talking about at the beginning where she's like, no, I break up with you. Yeah. Right? Okay, yeah. It felt so forced with with that writing. And I feel like, I mean, I was like, okay, I get it because stop stringing her along, Mm -hmm. Andrew or Peter. But I also just- but that wasn't even the motivation. It was just yeah. that he guilt felt guilty. It just felt like a, a conflict they were introducing at the front of the movie that they were asking me to buy in. Right. Well, there was one writer on the first Amazing Spider-Man script, which I actually think is pretty good. Um, and they did not bring that person back, I believe. So hmm. there are so many pens on this script. And so you can really just feel that this breakup becomes a major subplot or plot plot, depending how you look at it. I can't tell. So Peter spends 90 minutes in Amazing Spider-Man 2, which is a 140-minute movie, by the way. So it's very long, trying to get Gwen back or not get her back. It's very unclear. (laughs) I think by the end of the movie, uh, he says he'll literally move to England with her because she's going to Oxford and he does the whole I love you Spider-Man. He webs it on top of the bridge. I thought that was really cool. And while all this is going down, the only plot of this movie I care about, which is Gwen and Peter, because of Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone's characters being so amazing and they're just really cute, you have this subplot of what James is talking about and, and Kelsey, these villains that don't make any sense, like Max is Electro, Harry as Goblin, and then probably the wildest subplot of them all that I forgot about, which is Peter's dead parents, who are basically oh, yeah. Jason Bourne yeah. <laughs> and somehow have an underground subway hideout that you have to insert special coins. I was like, into. what happens when he I runs out of the coins? I completely forgot about this. <laughs> yeah. What happens if he runs out of coins? I think he gets them out of his calculator and I, I didn't even think he about does, that. does, yeah. Does he have more calculators with coins? Maybe. These are the things yeah, I'm maybe wondering. they're hidden all over the house. Yeah. So this movie is wild. I think it's trying to do too much. It's trying to create the Sinister Six while also contextualizing Aunt May and Peter's parents. And then it tries to create some stupid incel theme through like the Jim Carrey Riddler impersonation of Electro. And because of all this plot noise that is borderline incoherent, uh, what could have been one of the most effective endings of all time in Spider-Man movies is lost, which is how Peter's best friend, Harry killed his other best friend, Gwen and Peter not balancing his life better resulted in Gwen's fall and death. Mm -hmm. Um, But that lesson and that death don't really feel deserved to me, even though I cry a lot every time I see Andrew Garfield, like having an Oscar level winning performance cry Mm -hmm. while holding dead Emma Stone because (laughs) it's Andrew Garfield. Um, It's just an impossible movie to follow logically to me. So it had to be number nine. So it's just unfortunate that the movie was wasted with so much talent, I think, because it does look good. And I think the first one looks 
better and we'll get to it later. Um, and I do like this darker version of Spider-Man. I do like the idea of mm-hmm. dark um, kind of underground well, Spider-Man, this- like a Matt Reeves version. Uh, but I think we maybe were a decade too early for that, where this is like a pseudo yeah. understanding of that kind of film. So Yeah. I mean, also, I mean, I think, well, first with the parents, we do have that cool like Bane car crash or not car crash, plane crash. The plane crash? Scene. Yeah. yeah, it was cool. It just felt like a different movie. Yeah, it yeah. definitely was. But um, I think with, you're right, like Electro, Harry specifically, and I think Harry was just like miscast. At, or, I mean, even the writing though wasn't strong with them. Dan DeHaan was miscast in a lot of, he was in a great science fiction movie that I liked at the time that was uh, Valerian. Oh, that is a good Sorry, oh, I, it's it's not great, but I, I, I remember, remember that, as yeah. a younger person being like, this is kind of sick and I wish this was made by better people. I didn't people. finish it with you, yeah. but yeah. But, <laughs> but I also I, really I like Cardellian too. Yeah. yeah. But I just felt like he, he was so unapproachable. Like there in a Harry character, I need some sort of, like I, I, I mean, I don't really like feel for the James Franco character, but yeah. there was like no, there needs to be a rich boy so cold, you uh, know? but you also need to look like a rich boy. That's like been given private education and looks like you've been given like very specific diets at a very young age. Dan Dehan looks like he's like falling apart. Yeah, I know that's a part of his, he they almost Ill, wrote it into right? the script. He's like gonna, you're ill, you're yeah. dying. And that's kind of how he looks though. In all of his movies. Yeah. I just wasn't <laughs> so. interested in him as a character. That was like the problem because you're right. The whole, I, I forget every time that at the end, he is the one who makes Gwen die. Like, yeah, yeah. I guess he like throws her or yeah. I'm not sure. I forget the exact um, like plot point at the end, but it's more so that it's I'm the clock tower. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I was like shocked that she died. I'm always devastated when she died. I couldn't believe they did it, which I, I respect a kill. Like, yeah, it makes the Spider-Man stakes movie. real. Not just you know? a kill, like head hitting. Uh-huh. Yeah. And also it was his fault. You know, uh, guys, <laughs> guys like, oh, I'm like, I don't know about all that. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, like, I, like just sticking on that, oh just sticking God. on that for a second. The actual, like, kind of um, Andrew the, Garfield. It was your fault. It was your fault, <laughs> specifically Andrew. The web turns into a hand. Yes, and I think in a, a oh, normal yeah. movie it would have been comical, but it's really fucking great on rewatch because Gwen snaps her so head sad. on the ground, and uh, you're like, her his yeah. hand was so close to her. Uh. Uh, and it's so troubling when you're revisiting the movie because you just know that's coming. And I think it's really the only thing that kind of like saves this movie from being a joke, honestly. I think it's... It, well, I think like, yeah, I that know that you sense. all were saying the Unless the you guys Gwen, think it's higher than... I mean, what do you guys think is better than nine? No, I think it's like no. at the bottom for okay. me. <laughs> I mean, like it, it could be eight or nine, honestly. You guys aren't trying I to could, divulge I too much? Be, I, I could be persuaded for eight or nine either way, but okay. yeah, it's at the bottom for me. And I think... The Gwen's dad haunting Peter, um, while like you're saying, I feel like it feels a little overplayed with the ghost like so many times. Yeah. It was the most interesting part of the movie for me because I wanted Gwen and Peter to be together. Uh, but I also I wanted that tension a little bit more of like the the similar things we see in other Spider-Man movies where your actions are going to impact other people around yeah. you. Consequences, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know if it's totally fair, uh, I guess of an ask, but I'm just feeling bad about saying it was his fault. That's why I'm I'm trying to go back on saying it was his fault. Recontextualizing. Yeah. I mean, well, the part of the story that's confusing is like her whole character arc, which is she's trying to like make her own identity and separate herself from Spider-Man. They were were trying to make, 
basically try to give her more autonomy than MJ had in the original trilogy. They just didn't do a good job of that because at the end, she's like, no, I will stay here and help protect you even though there is a very scary like electric man that will definitely murder me and if he doesn't do it, there's a your best friend who hates you and who's privileged is Green Goblin now Like, and she's still trying to help support him. It was just like an overly written character yeah. with not realistic decisions. It was, I yes. mean, though it was like just to give them credit, a little bit of a step up that she w- was like, I'm going to be involved yeah. in Yeah, feel so bad for Kirsten Dunst. We'll get to it. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It was rough. Yeah. Okay, so number nine, The Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number eight, we have Kelsey. Okay, what do you got? it's my time. All right, so I have Spider-Man 3. Let's go. Okay, um, I also have it there. But I will say that this was, so this was the first time that I watched this. Mm-hmm. I thought I had seen it. I, cause I've seen the Venom suit and I've seen clips of it on like TNT just playing in my house, but I never understood the the through line. I never saw the jazz bar. Okay. I never saw the snaps. Yeah. <laughs> I never saw the, the key components of this movie. I so, wish the listeners could have been there for the, even the though jazz this bar is, with Kelsey, you're dying. <laughs> this, it was a wild experience. Yeah. I think though, even though this is at like eight or nine, again, I could be persuaded either way for, for this movie. For me, I had a great time watching this movie. <laughs> I did too. So fun. Yeah. Like I said, I would just play it on in the background of if we were like having people over because it is just crazy. I yeah. can't believe it was made. Um, I was actually <laughs> confused about when the venom had hit him. Okay. I genuinely thought that when the venom was in his apartment, that he was being impacted by it, uh, by being around it. So like when he kisses uh, Gwen. Gwen, exactly. Yeah. When he goes to that Spider-Man uh, city celebration and yes. he kiss, does the upside down, down yep. kiss right in front of MJ. Like, so you thought he was already like infected. I, I thought he was already infected. Oh. And then once I realized he hadn't been infected, you know, when we actually see him, like the supposed shift, mm-hmm. I was like, wait, before this, he was supposed to be regular Peter, Peter yeah. what? And and then I had to kind of like do a whole backtrack. I had to pause, okay, because I had to do a backtrack of like he decided to propose to MJ, but then yeah. thought it was fine to like kiss someone and do the same upside down kiss that they shared. And he was a, a really weird to that, like the woman who was living across the hall um, with his landlord's daughter. Yes, like, like very make odd. Me cookies vibe. I was like, what is happening problematic what is happening i can't but believe it was this like, is a real movie but do we want to talk about that that was like a self-aware toxic masculinity yeah, that they were so, commenting on from yeah. the first two films exactly but also it was like half self-aware yeah <laughs> that was a very that was a weird i mean i don't know well so i, I go ahead james i so you, well, give I don't your know story much, give your know, background <laughs> on spider-man 3 here because james has a poster in his house he's a big fan of spider-man 3 <laughs> i'm just kidding um <laughs> Speak to the Spider-Man three sympathizers. Do you know here. they're? I'm going to. Yeah, I, um, I actually just to be clear, this is my out of all the Spider-Man movies on Letterboxd, I give three stars or above on all of them except Amazing Spider-Man two. Spider-Man three is my as a three star movie for me, so I think it's good. I don't I don't dislike it. I think it's good as like a meme. I'll talk more about it's, it. That's a parody. Yeah, yeah. It's become a complete cultural joke at this point. Yeah. Um, which I ninety nine point five percent support. Yeah. Um, but I do think it does add, I <laughs> can't believe I'm <laughs> defending it, this movie right now. <laughs> <But> <laughs> no, I think it, but it, it's fine. You I, sent me a really good essay video on it. And yeah, I, watched it I do think it defends the thematic uh, conclusion that was necessary for Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man to kind of 
uh, end with. And that is his idea um, or the idea that this Spider-Man is struggling so severely with his own um, grand sense of grandiosity. Yeah. And so that it's interesting that like, even at the beginning of that film, he's so overly confident, so arrogant and struggling with his own hubris um, that the venom poison and the venom, this alien that comes from wherever mm-hmm. um, that infects him just enhances his own like sense of grandiosity that he can do anything that he can be anything um, that he is literally the king, the God of the city that is holding the city up. Right. There's like a self-obsession going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and so to like fully dive into that, that the movie does like, it makes you so uncomfortable watching him do these disgusting things. Um, I think it deserves a little more, Credit, credit, extra credit. Would you, would you, would you say? say extra credit? I yeah. would say a little extra credit. <laughs> I think it's a good extra no, credit. I think if we were giving extra credit to this movie, I that's think that true. Would say I that guess, too. like, I really um, was wondering what people who had seen Spider Man one and two and like loved Spider Man as like the Tobey Maguire franchise and then went into this movie, what what they felt walking so out. I think that is the last Jedi effect a little bit, yeah. like where where you start I mean, off this, this is movie even more like heightened. I think. Yeah, for sure. But what I mean by that is like, I respect the take. It just feels unnecessary and not necessarily accurate to the first two movies either. Like it feels like there was a little bit of a um, a self-consciousness about the Spider-Man 3 script because that is not exactly the Peter that ended Spider-Man 2. And it doesn't need to be like a a direct correlation, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but it just doesn't really match the the demands of Spider-Man 2. Spider-Man for sure who almost like the whole city was destroyed almost because of his own ignorance a little bit and so the fact that we're doing that again but with the love of his life the person he's apparently been in love with since he was nine or whatever uh is a little bit confusing I I think I think maybe the problem with the first Spider-Man trilogy and I guess I'll do this now because we're about to get into the other two Spider-Man movies from Sam Raimi um is this kind of like weird unreliable narrator that is going on in this trilogy, mm. which is Peter Parker, yeah. who is literally like doing a voiceover at the beginning of oh, yeah. each of these movies, mm-hmm. I think. Um, almost like he's telling a story to someone. Like it reminds me of Thor Love and Thunder. As, yeah. as yes. if like Loki or someone's yeah, telling yeah, a story, story uh, or whoever that was. Um, and if you watch these movies and understand that all of Peter's interactions that are very odd are all from the inside of his head rather than actually happening in his world, not just to keep up bringing Scorsese's like, taxi driver, but kind of like Travis Bickle, the movies are better to me and it helps explain why this iteration of Peter is so distant and always so confused. I don't know if you guys feel this way, but like the, this trilogy's Peter is always, feels like they're always analyzing human emotion. Like they don't understand whether or not- You mean the Tobey Maguire? Yeah, Tobey. It feels like this Peter from Sam Raimi is like trying to understand why is Aunt May so angry at me? Why yes. is MJ so yes. angry at me? Why is Harry so angry at what I'm doing? He's emotionally kind of unaware. Yes. He feels like the most stunted Spider-Man. And kind of yeah. like to come back to the criticism that you brought up from that journalist, the neurotic nature of that character. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Who's like constantly doubting their own understanding of the world in front of them, the people in front of them, specifically women mm-hmm. um, and people who he's supposed to care about. Right. I feel like he looks genuinely confused at like why people are so angry at him all the time. And the, I think the problem with the the trilogy is because Maguire plays it so straight. 
And even though I have a lot of nostalgia tied to Tobey Tobey Maguire, and I do love the Spider-Man movies for what Kelsey said about the villains, I actually don't like, it's weird to say it on a podcast out loud. I don't love Tobey Maguire's performance as Mm Spider-Man after revisiting these. And I just feel like Peter legitimately looks so confused at what he's done to make people so angry at him. And so in order for me to like actually like the first Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2, which I do a lot, I have convinced myself that we're dealing with an unreliable narrator as the protagonist (laughs) through the trilogy. And I actually think that makes the first two even better because, uh, and I think it makes the third one even just pretty good because what happens in Spider-Man three, I just don't want to like, I just don't want to move on because it's fucking insane. Yes. First, there is an alien on a meteorite from space that infects literally the only known superhero on the planet in these films, in this like universe of this film. <laughs> then you have Flint Marco, a man who is running from a crime. Tragic he backstory. Didn't commit or did commit. I, I don't know. I didn't, I didn't catch it. Still kind of confusing. And he's like running a 5-6-40 from the jail he's just apparently escaped from. And he falls into a sandpit. Well, which- it was good CGI. It was uh, actually great CGI for yeah. the time. Yeah. So I don't want to like knock that. The visual effects artist did a great job, but he like falls into a sand pit, which happens to be some kind of like molecule changing technology pit. So I understand this is a very big comics vibes, but I don't really care. It's a movie. So I'm not holding the same standard. It, and it turns him into Sandman. Uh, and oh yeah, this guy might've also killed Uncle Ben. And then we have MJ who is on Broadway somehow. Oh my God. I completely the singing forgot is tough. that he yeah. killed Uncle Ben. <laughs> that Sandman killed yeah. Uncle Ben? Yeah. Well, it's the first time I've seen it, but I totally forgot that end, that end plot. Yeah. Completely. It's crazy. <laughs> the through line they make it. And, and Peter's yeah. at the jail later on and the guy tells him like, yeah, this guy, you know, killed your uncle Ben, but you got to calm down. So he's like, don't tell me to yeah, calm down. <laughs> it's like, all right, we'll talk. And, Settle and then down. at the end he's like, Oh, well, you know, I've done like terrible things too. And yeah. I was like, well, ah, I mean, I know this guy like wants to save his kid. It's like a John Q situation, but Hell yeah, good movie. he's like robbing good a bank, but also throwback. killing a bunch of people on the way. Yeah. I don't know if it's the same thing, Peter. It's not. Yeah, not exactly. And then you have MJ who, uh, not a great singer is on Broadway. I feel bad for her. Gets fired. And sees Peter do uh, the Spider-Man kiss with you guys mm-hmm. were talking about with Bri- Bryce Dallas Howard, um, mm-hmm. who people probably know from Jurassic World. Yes. Uh, she, I think she goes directly to Harry Osborne only like 30 minutes later and they kiss. Yeah, that they, happens, right? she goes they're over, making eggs they're and they're making, dancing. They, well, that's before he loses his memory or, or after? That's uh, after he loses yeah. his memory, okay. which I haven't this gotten is, to yet. Honestly, this is- I actually forgot about the, that. The Amnesia? best part. Yeah. This is the best part. Harry wakes up a brand new man. Yes. He's like, these are my friends, my best friends. Yes. I was like, where was this Harry? But if you lose your memory, you don't just like become a new person, right? It was right? like nine-year-old Harry in like yeah. a hot James Franco body. I mean, maybe, that's, maybe that happens. I don't know. But yeah. it was so weird to have him like completely shift as like a character. Yeah. And then- That, and wasn't then even, that my, Harry wasn't even there in the first Spider-Man. Yeah. My, my favorite thing though about Harry turning and he kisses MJ um, mm. because he's always been in love with her too. Mm-hmm. Um, was when he finds his like the layer again. Oh, okay. Because right? in Spider Man Two, he sees it at the end of the yep. movie. That's yeah. why they have to basically correct uh, and make him lose his memory. Right. Um, which I mean, that was a really cool fight. Like one of the f- coolest fights at the very beginning of the movie. The, uh, I wrote that Between down. Between Harry, and, Harry and, and Peter. Peter. Yeah. When Peter's in the suit. Or, yeah, yeah, when he's he trying to get the wedding ring, the it's like falling out from yeah. Aunt May's wedding ring. Yeah. He's falling out mid fight. Yeah, Sick. and so and then when Harry like falls uh, down like he, he a bunch gets of stories, amnesia. Yeah, then, he, yeah hits he, on a pipe. he hits his head, gets amnesia, and then he kisses MJ right. And the minute that he like 
drinks alcohol after because MJ leaves him. That was an interesting symbol. That's when symbol. the like the yeah. Norman the PTSD Osborn, yeah, comes back. It was the, interesting. The sound comes back um, of Green Goblin. And if you watch the, the laugh, if you watch his father <laughs> again, <laughs> he he starts getting the Green Goblin signs in his head when he's drinking whiskey too during the oh, morning. Oh yeah. So it's like an interesting kind of yeah. time between that character. I mean, this is my favorite part of the movie. Um, it's the the one of the weirdest part. Maybe not even one of the weirdest parts because this is a it's crazy very weird movie, movie but. Yeah. When he tells MJ, like he, so he realizes, okay, green, I am Green Goblin now. I'm making a like complete shift in this same night that mm-hmm. I'm going to go to MJ's apartment and wait in there. He got there pretty fast. Yeah, yeah that was freaky. Yeah, it was actually kind of a scary scene. But then he's like, break up with Spider Man, like break up with Peter. Yeah, and I love when she breaks up with him. And she's like, there's another man. Then Peter, because he's friends with Harry again, gets to the diner. And he says, oh MJ God. just broke up with me uh, sitting across from Harry. And he's yep. like, apparently there's another man. Incredible. Harry, I'm the other man. Yeah. It's amazing. <laughs> the line, reading, so the line reading from Franco, like uh, it's, you I can't. I think they're eating, he's, oh he's eating cherry pie. Yeah. yeah. And, and he's like, it's so good. It's yeah. so great. <laughs> the yeah. waitress, oh my God. Well, the best I part is like when he's walking, like Tobey Maguire's walking away and he looks back yeah. and Harry and he like winks. winks at him yeah. and the car goes by, <laughs> gone. <laughs> Dude is Batman. <laughs> it's like my favorite scene besides the snapping and the uh, dancing. <laughs> um, and we haven't even talked about, like Kelsey mentioned at the beginning, I guess, but Topher Grace. He figured yeah. out how to use Canva before it existed and he edited yeah, some Spidey pictures to impressive. get Peter's yeah. job. I would hire him. Yeah. He's and a, he's going to head the graphic design department. Probably. He probably created Canva. And uh, apparently <laughs> he's dating or not dating Bryce Dallas Howard's Gwen. Stacy. And then he goes to a church for forgiveness because that's where you get forgiveness. And prays for That's Peter right. to die. And he gets religion, <laughs> uh, praying for Peter to die and then becomes Venom. Venom. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Topher Grace. Same. And honestly, on revisiting this, I think I wish he would have gotten a lot of whatever villain they wanted to like cut from this movie. I wish he would have gotten more screen time. Mm-hmm. Like if they wanted to cut Marco, I would have loved for, you know, Sandman to be out of this movie and for Venom to get more time. Um, the most unrealistic part of this movie, and I think kind of, uh, epitomizes all the, the failures of the writing is when Sandman and Venom run into each other. Yeah. That like Venom is so swinging weird through yeah. Queens or whatever. And then like Marco hits him out of there and then yep. he's like, oh, you're not Spider-Man, but then keeps walking. Like he didn't just see an alien monster yep. in front of him. And then they make a deal. Yeah. To team up to put MJ in a taxi. Yeah. In a spider web at the top of like a skyscraper. It was just yeah. the most like heightened rescue scene. Although like the ending scene, I was genuinely a lot of times, especially since there's we're so inundated with like Marvel mm-hmm. movies yeah, and yeah. superhero movies. I I really check out at, like if the, the last big fight. scene is the yeah. But so I the love big this fights big fight. Are so yeah. long. Big this fight. this big fight. It's I was sick. like, I'm in. This is absurd. Like, yeah. <laughs> like when when so Harry's when Harry's flying yeah. around and Peter <laughs> swings on his glider and they're working together to fight. Great. I'm like, where was this all movie? This is sick. <laughs> Give me this film. And then Harry saves Peter. Yeah, and then yes, Harry he da- fucking dies. Yeah, he gets yeah. bodied. Yeah, Even after though he's Peter, been the, blown up. The, the by, like, by Peter. Yeah, I know exactly. The last time he saw him was when he just like threw he, Anakin Skywalker a bomb in his face. The ultimate sacrifice. And was this the movie? No, no. That, sorry, that was Spider-Man 2. When when he goes to him and he's like, we got to go save MJ. No, no, it No, was. that's Spider-Man yeah. 3. He's like, we got to go save MJ. Yeah. And then Harry's like, no, you killed my dad because he, oh yeah, because he finds out that Spider-Man is Peter. Yeah. In the in, second movie. In the second movie. Yep. Okay. 
Yeah. I'm totally off. That's why in Spider-Man three, it starts one. off with uh, it starts off with Peter trying to live his normal life, watching MJ and on then Broadway, he gets scooped up off, and the then it, it zooms oh, out, and, P- okay, and, and yeah. uh, Harry Osborn's also there, like I think eating popcorn or something. He's like really excited that he's there oh, watching, the play, yeah. and they show the flowers in the back, and Peter yeah. brought like a small flower, and, and okay, obviously I'll save, Harry, I'll save my send a bouquet of flowers. Yeah, okay, I'll save my like take. I mean, it's one of my favorite lines is in Spider-Man two when uh, Peter and Harry talk to each other. Okay. Um, so I think I just want to cap off Spider-Man three and like why I like this movie, because I just do want to like, I do want to (laughs) shout out James and the 10 other listeners who do like this movie, because there is some interesting stuff about forgiveness in this. There's some interesting stuff about like unpacking toxic traits of masculinity in this movie. Um, but ultimately I think that MJ is still like obviously written from the perspective of a man who doesn't seem to understand woman. Yeah. And, uh, especially in that, like that Italian restaurant scene Mm -hmm. where it feels like the writers think they are giving actual authentic woman motivations Mm -hmm. and, uh, language. And that's exactly why they get it wrong because there obviously wasn't a woman on the script. I mean, I know there wasn't. Um, so it just still feels like in that scene, that Peter is examining MJ like he is an ex machina or something like he is an Android. Like he is not he understanding is human yeah. emotion. I know it's semi purposeful, but it's also semi not. Um, so they he write a, a terribly written character like, yeah. throughout the whole trilogy. Yeah. And so I think if you watch this movie as a comedy, it sort of works I, again. I love Topher Grace. James Franco is fun to hate. And Toby, Toby is full on like serial killer vibe in La La yeah. Land. So a little through different parts of this yeah. movie. And I kind of like that. The the <laughs> wild parts of this movie, it kind of reminds me of After Hours. That's true, yeah. Yeah, so even though like the identity crisis is <laughs> half interesting in Spider-Man 3, ultimately I think it is like overwrought as a script and it's just not as nuanced as it's trying to be and I wish it was. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, this is my ranking so far. So I feel, I mean, it's only two picks in, but I feel really happy right now. James, don't fuck it up. All right. I <laughs> might. All right. So number nine, we had Amazing Spider-Man 2. Number eight, Spider-Man 3. James, what do you got? I'm so interested. My number seven is Spider-Man Homecoming. Okay. I wish I had a veto power. Wow. I'm so pissed. Oh my God. Sorry, guys. Kelsey, do we want to say where our homecoming was? I feel like. It's so was high yours? for me. So high. Mine was number five. Um, okay. So that's. Well, it's not too far. Two off. picks away. It's yeah. not. It's not. Mine awful. was number four. Okay, that's kind of far away. That's yeah. three whole movies. It's far from home. Wow. Sorry. <laughs> I never do. Wow. Puns. Did you just do a pun? <laughs> yeah. That was funny. Okay, James, I, number seven, so Spider-Man: cringy. Homecoming. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> I liked it. Okay. That's like the third one you've Let's, done in this podcast. I know. I was. I don't know why I'm feeling it with Spider-Man. Listeners are pro. I was torn here. Okay. Um, when I was putting I the bet. list together, and I was weighing. What deserves this spot? Spider-Man 3 or Spider-Man Homecoming? Well, just so we're on the same page, the Hang amazing on, Spider-Man is still on the list. Just so we're on the same page. I'm yeah. on I'm on this page. Okay, I'm on I'm not on your page, I'm on my page, but just so we're all, we're all on the same page. The amazing Spider-Man was not picked yet, and James picked Spider-Man Homecoming. It's true. Okay, James, go ahead. And oh, wait, sorry. Speak your truth. Okay, I'm, I'm listening. I'm genuinely listening. All I'm right. sort of not. I'm pissed. <laughs> <laughs> it's only two movies away, but... All right, let me try to justify this. Um, okay. So, what... First thing, I like this movie. It's an excellent movie. Mm. When it first came out, <laughs> um, I was so excited to finally get some kind of, like, fresh air from the Amazing Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man 2 okay. kind of tornado of 
insecurity about like where it was heading. Okay. Um, and so I go in to Spider-Man homecoming and it was refreshing. Um, now it's this kind of low on my list, I think, um, because it feels a little elementary. Um, and the movie itself, um, feels a little overrun by, you know, Iron Man mentoring Peter Parker, the MCU. Yeah. Yeah. Just being there. And it feels a little too corporate, um, yeah. Of a film that kind of sterilizes the plot line for me. That makes sense. Um, However, there are some amazing moments in this movie. And one of them that stands out particularly is when um, Peter Parker finds out that um, his love interest at the time, I can't remember her name. Oh, not, um, not MJ. Falcon's uh, daughter. Vulture's, Vulture's daughter. Is yes. it not Falcon? It's Vulture. No, it's Vulture. Vulture. Why did I think it was Falcon? I don't know. Okay. But, they, another, but, but I'm pretty sure a falcon flies in the Justice so, League. I thank you. Think. That's close. <laughs> okay. Vulture. Okay. Uh, okay. Um, so yes, uh, Vulture's daughter. Yeah, Vulture's daughter. They're in the car driving to Homecoming. Okay. And he turns around. Yeah. Red light, car. green light. Yeah. All that. That's great. And it's revealed Liz. to Peter. Liz, Liz. Thank you. Um, that Liz's father is is the Vulture. And Sick scene. It. Just like I felt my stomach drop. I could see the acting in Tom Holland, like his face yeah. just dropped yeah, so well. Um, you could see the color just drain in that moment. Um, and the stakes of what were set up for that character were hit. Um, and I think that the movie itself uh, is beautiful and it's well crafted, mm-hmm. but it feels a little. Um, it feels a little too Disney to be honest. Okay. Um, and I know that's kind of a vague thing to say, but I guess what I mean by that is, is the plot line itself is a little bit shallow. The MCU is just infused into this movie itself. Um, and so the, the plot line itself and the conflict itself, uh, still feels a little too sterile. However, I do love a new villain and I really enjoyed seeing the vulture. Okay. Yeah. Do you want me to, you got it? I, I think, I'll, yeah, I like, I think I understand the, the kind of like, um, sterile or like corporate vibe. I, I totally get There's that. There's a safety yeah. to these movies where yeah. the other Spider-Man movies maybe didn't have those. There was a little bit more edgy. Yeah. It feels a little squeaky, right? Yeah. Like for Tom Holland, even though we're talking about like Sony versus Marvel. So it's like Fox and CNN. Yeah. Here, yeah. So, and also I think that's a, I think listeners will like some listeners will also agree that there's mar- a lot of like Marvel, it's just too much like other superheroes, Iron Man, the idea of like Captain America, like it's not a Spider-Man movie totally on its own. Like some of the other ones are, mm-hmm. but it was a lot higher for me because I think, I guess, well, I don't want to give away like the rest of my ranking. So that's totally. what's hard about this. Yeah. yeah. But, but I will say that I think Tom Holland um, is higher on my list for a lot of the movies because he has like a, a different, I guess like what we were talking about before, not as, edgy Spider-Man and like the world doesn't understand me. The world's against me kind of vibe of Spider-Man. There's something more endearing and innocent about, about this version of Peter Parker. Yeah. That is honestly more true to a lot of the early comics of the 15, 16 year old stuff. Yeah. And I also liked the, well, I remember the first time I saw it, I was like, Oh, this doesn't feel like a a total Spider-Man on its own. But after rewatching it, I really liked Iron Man as like the stand in father 
because I've never really liked one of the father plots before in a Spider-Man movie mm-hmm. um, where Iron Man was kind of this character we are already connected to. So he's kind of like this flawed dad, but still cool in certain ways. Although there's some like questionable writing about like Aunt May and stuff later on, but he's yeah. like this complication of like a myth of a perfect father that really worked for me. Mm-hmm. And especially when like Peter just wants connection. Like mm-hmm. he is just reaching out for connection and Iron Man won't necessarily like do that um, for, for him. Like he feels distant as a character to him. Like when he opens the door and Peter gives him a hug and Tony's like, we're not there yet. You yeah. know, like those cute moments, but they also work for the kind of tension of what, what Peter is going through and, and growing up and having a parental figure like beyond May. Cause we, we don't get his backstory, but we know his parents aren't there. But I think for me where it hits is like, I want to, I wrote Falcon, but Vulture. Yeah. Right. Um, so Vulture is an interesting villain. And I think in this, in the Tom Holland spider movies, um, Spider-Man movies, there are, I think more complicated villains Yeah, I agree. that I enjoy. Like Peter says, I know that selling weapons to criminals is wrong mm-hmm. to Vulture. Yeah. And then Keaton says, well, how do you think Iron Man pays for that big tower? As uh, teachers, I feel like that has been said in all of our classrooms in one way or another, 100%. something similar to that, whatever that kind of dichotomy is there of power like a thousand times. Yeah. So I, I really love that scene. Cause you don't see anything like that. No, You're right. In any of the Spider-Man movies. Refreshing to have a, a working class villain. Yeah. And, and kind of calling Peter out on his like youth yeah. And ignorance. Yeah. Cause yeah. then also I, uh, something I really like about this movie is that like Tom Holland's character fails. Like yeah. he really mm-hmm. actually isn't ready. Like no. he almost kills everyone on the ferry. And uh, we have that idea of what I didn't feel as much in other movies, like with great power actually does come responsibility. I just felt like it was a throwaway line mm-hmm. and I kind of felt it in this movie specifically where Iron Man says, like, if you would be nothing without the suit, then you shouldn't have the yeah, suit. You like, you just it. can't handle this. Mm-hmm. And I liked both of those kind of dueling, like a villain that's interesting to me with characters that I like. And there's a lot of, like, cute, like, coming-of-age moments. Yeah. But also, the Iron Man being dad, I thought was interesting. Yes. Okay. Um. Okay, in order for me to, like, stick up for this movie, which is weird, because I, I really, I like um, The Amazing Spider-Man, which I had b- below this. And I also had another movie below this, which I'm not going to spoil. Um, so I had Spider-Man Homecoming at five. It's at seven. So I guess I'll start off by saying that like Captain America Civil War is a really awesome movie. It's amazing. That's when we and, first meet Spider-Man. Yeah. And we all went crazy in the theater when we saw that. And when Queens came across the screen mm-hmm. and the music is playing, there's almost like a, there's almost like a, a collective wish for Marvel yeah. fans right yes. now. Can we go back to this moment and this feeling? The answer is no. Uh, since <laughs> Endgame and the loss of stakes, MCU it's in a, it's in it's a, a weird struggle. spot. Right yeah. Now. So as Tony is talking to what we know is going to be Aunt mm-hmm. May and Tom Holland is introduced as the teenage Peter Parker. I was like, that is an actual 15 or 16 year old boy. Yes. And he has that innocent Peter Parker look who just wants to, what he says, help the little, little guy to Tony Stark, mm-hmm. which is cool for the character to say, because that is very comics that, that is kind of missed that is never really explicitly said in the other Spider-Man films before this. And we get no origin story, which I think is very essential to this movie. Yeah, it was a little that bit was, That was a smart move. Yeah, because uh, I think they could contextualize Ben in more, in more interesting ways. I think they did with May, and we'll get to that when mm-hmm. we get to that. Um, but that is Civil War. This is Homecoming. And- well, before we move on from Civil War, there was a scene that I really loved 
when uh, Tony meets Peter and Peter's talking about like what, what it's like to be Spider-Man so far. Cause yeah. we don't get that background. That was an interesting conversation. And he says like, when you can do what I do, um, he says something like this, yeah. but when you can do what I do, if something bad happens, like and your fault. you don't do anything, it happens because of you. Yeah. yeah. And I, that was really like one of the only times too, I felt like a real guilt that wasn't attached to like ego of Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I mean, that's, that's civil war. It wasn't about him, yeah. which a lot of the Spider-Man movies, it's like, Oh, this is happening to me. I'm a reluctant hero. This didn't feel as much like a reluctant hero. This felt like something different. And I like that Iron Man, Robert Downey Jr.'s character that we like love and is coveted in the Marvel Cinematic Universe is looking at this character, not like he is similar to Spider-Man, but he is the opposite of me. And Mm -hmm. that's why he thinks he's special. I actually think it's in a weird way, a a very kind of like an important branch for Marvel that they're kind of trying to more lean into like characters like Captain Marvel Mm -hmm. and others in the future. That is this kind of like this humble attitude from spider-man um but going back to the civil war thing i think people get annoyed with spider-man homecoming and james's criticisms like are valid and why i agree with most of those is that people look at homecoming like a sequel to civil war yeah instead of a spider-man movie and i actually think that you know that brings up the critique that most fans who don't like john watts's trilogy these home movies which they're all pretty bad titles because i always mix them up i always never know yeah (laughs) with the home stuff um and I have one response to the people who like really don't like these movies because they're too tied to the MCU. The MCU is sick, okay? <laughs> the MCU is incredible. Has the Marvel Cinematic Universe ruined theatrical runs for independent cinema? Maybe, but you probably also gave Top Gun Maverick five stars. Let me tell you what's ruining this country. There's definitely something in that movie. Uh, so... I think you could say a lot of the same criticisms about the MCU that we all are ignorant to in our own lives of things that we just allow happen that we're like, we have this cognitive dissonance toward. Um, So I I agree with the MCU criticisms, but there was an action wave of the eighties that was very prominent and critics were anti, you know, antithetical to everything about that uh, wave of action cinema that kind of destroyed independent movies. And then what happened in the nineties is a reaction to that. Mm -hmm. And we got a lot of shitty eighties action movies that tried to transition and could not. And you think of people like Tarantino who are changing the scene. So I think we're kind of entering into that era of like the end of MCU and the beginning of something new, Mm -hmm. hopefully, um, and the end of the superstar, which is really important too, I think, to Hollywood in weird ways. I think it will open up a lot of opportunities for other people. Um, so I guess just to say all that, I shared some of those issues with the three John Watts, Tom Holland movies. I actually now, like, I feel like I recognize the Holland and Watts trilogy actually speaking to teenagers and how these movies yes. are coming of age journeys that are almost like comedies. Like yeah, these movies feel like pure comedies so in certain sure. points. Yeah. A lot more than the other ones and not in some like weird, like kind of like 30 year old who can't talk to woman and is confused why everyone is out to get him comedy way. These movies are literally about a kid just trying to get through high school. Yeah. And I think that's like really, really obviously important. Much and, more authentic. Um, and I think, those men in our real world, those men who need to be represented who are 30 and can't talk to women do not maybe necessarily need to be represented by $200 million (laughs) movies anymore. So that, I guess that's like my one major response to like people who are out on these movies being connected to the MCU. Um, because I guess I'm making the hot take the MCU rules and, or it did rule at this point when making this trilogy. Um, so that's my biggest, I think, like frustration with the response to this movie being about nothing and just being connected to like Iron Man. Uh, I, I think there is also some great stuff to pull from Peter Parker in this movie and like who he is as a character. It's a little bit different 
from other movies. Like obviously throughout the film, he is just trying to be Peter, which is a through line of all the Spider-Man films. He's constantly looking at people at parties or looking at uh, Liz, the daughter, trying to feel like, how can I fit with all these kids when I have these powers and I'm trying to help other people? Mm-hmm. I also like the idea that like Peter can't drive anywhere. So he's being driven everywhere in this movie from the, the bus to the truck he sits detail. on from like the vulture driving him to homecoming, like you're saying. And I also like how he can't web in certain areas. Like they're showing him running through the golf course. Oh yeah. The yeah. Suburb. Golf course, yeah. <laughs> random parks from place to place. And then like when he has to go save the Washington monument, he goes on a bus to get there. Yeah. It's just fascinating. Uh, and then Spidey does like the whole fairy train thing where he brings the two halves in and Iron Man takes a suit, which I think like I do like the idea of Iron Man continuously saving him and saying that like you've come a long way, but here's this Uncle Ben mini moment about responsibility and power. Yeah, you're not ready. Yeah, I think that's effective. Um, and then like he when takes he takes a suit. Yeah, he takes a suit. He takes his power away. And then he's used. He has to use that original suit homemade that we never suit, see him yeah. in the homemade suit that we also saw Tobey Maguire make. For some reason, Andrew Garfield made his homemade suit perfect. Um, and it looks amazing. <laughs> uh, so this is kind of the only normal suit that we see since the Tobey Maguire wrestling That's so match true. Well, we were talking about that and I was I was like, he, you you made the joke like Phantom Thread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Andrew Garfield is an incredible, is an incredible at yeah. seem, seeming, yeah. Seeming? I don't know if that's well, his a, first, a sewing. His <laughs> first go at the suit, I think, is just a mask and sunglasses. Uh, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. yeah. I think it's sick. I, I, like, <laughs> I like seeing him in the suit running around like that. Um, uh, yeah, but I just like the the more realistic idea that like Tony Stark made this amazing suit. Right. And yeah, I also like that we get to see him like view it for the first time because something that we didn't talk about, like in order to give us exposition, um, they did something genius, which was to give us instead of like, here's what kind of like happened throughout Civil War. They give us that home video. It's so uh, funny. It's like the vlog was great. of Tom yeah. Holland, you know, filming his experience. See, he's like, oh, he's like, uh, there's Captain America hiding behind there. Yeah. And then and then we go see him have the actual Spider-Man experience of being nervous where in, in Civil War, we see him go out and say like, what's up, guys? Seeming right. all confident or like, oh, yeah, like he is a kid. And that's how we open up the movie. And then we also see him open up the suit. For right, the for the time. first He's time. Like, this is like the best day of my life. And then right? his best friend, who's building like a Lego version of the Death Star, sees Ned, him only a few yeah. nights later. I uh, love that scene too. And I love- Crawling on the ceiling. I love that we get a, a best friend that actually like cares about Peter for yeah. realistic reasons and then finds out he is Spider-Man after the fact. And there isn't any kind of tension that's unnecessary mm-hmm. uh, because playing into that trope can also be like, sort of problematic and like unhelpful. Yes. And then the idea that like um, MJ is also this character just watching and observing Peter from afar, but not like super invested in him and his like, and mm-hmm. his, uh, I guess, personality and superhero like qualities in the next few films. I love the way that they build Zendaya's character really well here. And the way she gives Peter the finger at homecoming, <laughs> they're just doing a good job of yeah, like building these characters mm-hmm. up in this John Hughes esque kind of 80s. Yeah. She's still not like rom-com. a full, person or, or character. Um, and I know that she's not like, they didn't want us to feel their connection here. Yeah. Right. They, they want us to feel like they were peers and, and maybe in the next movie, like they became friends when we, you know, didn't see them throughout right. the movie. So, but she still feels like a distant, like cool girl. Like I don't really love the writing, but, um, yeah, it's, it's an improvement and Zendaya like saves it. I think she does. I think 
though, when you're talking about Ned, I love that he is asking realistic questions that the audience has, right? He's like, Another good way do you lay eggs? Yeah. Do you yeah. spit venom? Can <laughs> yes. you summon an army of spiders? Like, yeah. how, how far do your web shoot? Nod towards Ant-Man there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that it's also, I mean, this is a Marvel part of it too, but the kids are learning about the Sokovia Accords. Yeah, in history class. Yeah. But even like the small points of Peter interacting with New York City, like when he goes to get a sandwich at the deli and he like- Do a backflip. Yeah, or, yeah. or I guess all oh, that oh, too. Oh, I'm thinking of something. Yeah, when he's Spidey, yeah, yeah. yeah. But like when he's just, ta- like when he's Peter Parker and mm-hmm. he's walking around, he like knows the guy making a sandwich and they're talking about, like he's talking about his aunt yeah. and he's talking about whatever his daughter. And like just that kind of banter is, funny because like we're getting to see that these characters know each other and it's not like toby Maguire's character who for some fired. reason his pizza bu- pizza boss is firing him for doing an, an impossible task <laughs> yeah. even if he was superman so it's like <laughs> what is going on in that movie uh yeah. in that point um so and then when it comes to like thematically i do like the scene of peter in his homemade costume underneath all of the rubble yeah. that vulture just like destroyed this building and it fell on top of mm-hmm. spidey and there is this moment that's never worked for me in movies where we talked about the beginning of the podcast where there is this kind of message that somebody is of working class that they can't ask for help from any kind of superhero or ask for help from the government or a billionaire. In this movie, the government is a villain of Vulture. Remember when the government comes and takes away Who's also working with contract? Tony Stark. Yeah. yeah, who's working with Tony Stark, the billionaire. And in this movie, every time Spider-Man messes up, he's asking Tony for help or to mm-hmm. be a part of the Avengers or be a part of like whatever technology he has so he can have a better suit. And this is the moment where he looks at himself in the reflection of the water and he sees that he just has to do it himself. And I think he learns from his own vanity in a certain way and ignorance. And so I think uh, the movie does well when trying to explain like how Peter learns to handle his responsibilities. But my my favorite part about this movie, and this goes back to, to James's critique, which I think is valid. I just think it's worked so well is when he declines uh, the Avengers offer at the end of the movie. I think it's like the cutest Spider-Man like, I passed the 15 test, year right? old mo- movie part where uh, Tony Stark realizes that Peter is the best of all of them in yeah. the Avengers. And he asks this teenager to come and, and, and literally live there at the headquarters. I think he says next to vision who is bad about like no going walls. through walls. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, Peter thinks it was a test and I think that is really awesome. Uh, it's a really awesome scene once you've watched Endgame recently because we watched Endgame really recently to do our Guardians pod, which we didn't do, which we also didn't do the Ant-Man pod because even though I love the MCU, it's been tough. We're the past saving few them, yeah. yeah for, we're we'll talk sa- about them later. Yeah. Uh, but once you watch Endgame again and then Homecoming, you'll see that like these Spider-Man movies show how much Tony loves Peter. Mm-hmm. And it's actually like a really great mentorship and relationship. Like in Endgame, when Stark declines the Ant-Man and Captain America offer to make the time machine, Tony's doing dishes later that same night and behind the photo of Morgan, his yes, daughter. Yes, yeah. I remember that. And Pepper is a picture of Peter that he looks at and feels guilty and that's when he starts creating the time yep. machine. Not to like save the half the population that die, but it's but to save Peter. Peter. Yeah. And I think Homecoming hits different after Endgame, but again, you need the MCU context, which I think is a, the fairest criticism of this movie. Uh, so... I love Spider-Man right, Homecoming. Guys, I get it. You don't think it <laughs> deserves a, seventh place, a, yes. but I here we are. I have one more thing to say. I, I would have been fine with it at six, but the, we're, we're, I'm going to hold you accountable on the amazing Spider-Man. We're going to get to that. We are going to get to that, but I do have one more thing to say about Spider-Man Homecoming. Mm-hmm. Um, normally, Trey and I have talked about this a bunch on the podcast, and again, like we're all teachers, but 
teacher representation is so terrible. And this is, I'm, I'm not saying this is a good or great like teacher um, portrayal, <laughs> but there was something that was so great about the like, about the Guilfoyle teacher, the guy who plays the academic challenge guy. Yeah. He's Guilfoyle in Silicon Martin Valley. Yeah. yeah, he's great as far as like, when he tells the kids and they're ringing the bell, he's like, what did I tell you about using the bell for comedic yeah, purposes? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Oh, this is a great realistic so, line. Yeah, so good. And there are other points where like he isn't or the other teachers aren't like great written <laughs> teachers in general, but I just liked uh, that um, as far as like teachers being funny. Yeah, yes. And also just like, it, all like running a club or something like that. Like, yeah, um, I'll get to the teacher stuff more in um, far from home. Okay. My, my second thing though, is I love when the gym teacher is showing the captain America explaining Incredible. a physical fitness test. Like Again, goes to James critique <laughs> like MCU inserted into this movie. Yeah, but it but is I hilarious. loved it because the, then um, cap is on the screen and he's like, my good friend. And he points the other way where like on the side that the teacher's not standing on. Yes. <laughs> um, and then he's like, the teacher's like, pretty sure this guy's like a war criminal now, but yeah, yeah. got to show it required by the state. You yeah, know, yeah. I was like, yeah. Well, it's great. Like the teachers seem, you know, self-aware and comedic in the element that they're, you know, existing in, Yeah, um, which is just like overwhelming, exhausting. And so like, you got to have a sense of humor and mm-hmm. they yeah, capture yeah. that really well. Yeah. Um, one last critique. Oh, you got another fucking oh, critique okay. about Spider-Man yeah. Homecoming? One last critique. All right. Here's why it deserves seventh place. This guy comes on our podcast. <laughs> All right, go. <laughs> so earlier you brought up the um, mentor figure of Tony Stark. Yeah. And how Peter Parker seems to constantly have this whole of a father mentor figure mm-hmm. um, that needs to be kind of filled. Um, and I think that is an issue, especially in this film as well, where there needs to be some kind of stand in father um, for Peter Parker. The franchise suffers from that. And yeah. yeah. And so as the franchise is written and the plot line and the canon that exists for Spider-Man, there just isn't enough kind of grounding in the uh, reality that he could just turn to for parental uh, fulfillment Mm -hmm. and um, just guidance to the person who's in front of him, Aunt May. Yeah, yeah I mean, Spider-Man's sexist. Um, well, okay. Well, I'm, this, and this I'm movie, saying Peter Parker. No, I know, I'm I know you're kidding. I know you're like, kidding. This well, movie, also, I think there's great Aunt May uh, scenes, though, at the Pad Thai, all yeah. that. That's great. Later. I think, she, I think he does respect her, though. They have that early does, dinner scene early in the movie. He so quickly latches... Or is that Far From Home? That might be Far From he Home. He so movie, quickly right. latches on to Tony Stark, mm-hmm. who is flashy who is successful, who is known internationally. Um, And I can't help but think like, you know, he's kind of in a way leaning into grandiosity Mm -hmm. and forgetting, you know, who's actually caring for him. Do you think that that is the movie's like self-aware message though, that he is like leaning into Tony Stark and Iron Man realizing that he is leaning now into Peter because Peter is actually the adult between the two of them. And Tony is the kid that we've been applauding for a decade. I think that's kind of the point of the movie a little bit that like Iron Man is the end of an Avengers that is maybe a little bit immature. And Spider-Man is the beginning to a new Avengers that he's going to be starting in he's the like King the new, dynasty. Literally generation yeah, of perhaps. Iron Man. That's an interesting the transition take. Yeah. of like homecoming and him becoming an adult. And I think well, the Aunt May thing is interesting. I do wish Marissa Tomei, who is 
incredible in mm-hmm. this movie. And it's nice to see a relatable Aunt May. Yeah. And someone that age difference-wise makes sense. Well, I don't well, know I who's think, related, I mean, the related age, to the who. The age difference yeah. was fine in the other movies. It was just that they were written... Um, well, I mean, I like Sally Fields, um, yeah. Aunt May. But, yeah, and but I think Spider-Man, like the, well, it's her, so she's great. So yeah, hard but I not. think that the, you know, Tobey Maguire Aunt May was just... The writing was so. She's also great. It's just yeah, she's, yeah. But it was but the age difference yeah. is too much. It feels like grandparent esque, mm-hmm. and yes. and this one, Aunt May feels more like a mom. Even when she's trying to like do his tie, she doesn't know how to tie ties. Oh my and god, both I looking love at YouTube. the sequence and the of music her is teaching him how to dance. Yeah, that homecoming. was pretty funny. Yeah, yeah so that all sweet. that all works, and I think he realizes by far from home that Aunt May, and then they bring in like Happy into like be this kind of also parental figure, yeah, which is sort of half successful. But I do think there is like an awareness that like Peter is searching for a parent, and the the fact of like homecoming is that he used to look in the mirror, which is that well, theme. That yeah, trying to bring so back. a reason that I I mean I do like ultimately agree with you. Like I was kind of joking about the idea of of Spider Man being sexist and that like. Spider-Man Peter Parker doesn't usually look up to Aunt May like he's mm-hmm. chasing the idea of his father but like yeah, yeah. um you know that it's the it's the dad arc of like of all time of all storytelling 100%, so yeah. um even I think Zendaya's MJ uh calls him out on it in No Way Home which we'll get to obviously mm-hmm. but she's like hey come to us when you have a problem like yeah. why don't you yeah, talk to exactly. me when there's yeah, an issue yeah we can like brainstorm things he's yeah. like oh yeah I guess I can talk to yeah. you you are a woman. My brain is processing this differently. <laughs> yeah, but, they I, say that, but, but I do think like rewatching them, I, I am more on the side of thinking that it, it is self-aware because, um, Spider-Man is viewing Iron Man as this like larger than life celebrity that he's Elon chasing. Musk, literally. Yeah. Yes. Like, and yeah. then, Who's and been then in Iron when Man we too. get to like, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it too with Zendaya's character, MJ, but also with Aunt May's death, I think there is like a realization Damn. of kind of like what, he was chasing mm-hmm. and there's kind of an end to that loop. So whether it was like totally self-aware or a fun thing to throw in Iron Man, I think rewatching them as a trilogy, I see th- 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 yeah. them that way. And it kind of complicates and makes the dad myth more interesting to me that he is chasing this idea of celebrity when he does have someone who loves him um, and is like right at home who he could be talking to. Um, so yeah. I think it, for me, at least it feels self-aware. Do you guys feel like this movie that Spider-Man as a character is almost like hindered by the fact that they don't really double down into the orphan qualities of him, of this like Jesus like archetype that Harry Potter fills, mm-hmm. that Bruce Wayne fills, that Luke we'll Skywalker fills. Yeah. Talk that's about the train. What we're going to talk about. Okay. The train for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so far on this list, we have number nine, the amazing Spider-Man two, number eight, Spider-Man three. So for, Normal listeners are like, that checks out. Number seven, Spider-Man Homecoming. I also know that checks out. I've seen a lot of rankings and lists of these movies. And a lot of people have this movie low, which I understand. Sorry, I made you guys so angry. Made some good points. Um, Um, Number six, I have the next pick. A part of me wants to pick something out of spite. (laughs) (laughs) To get James to use his veto. But as the person that created that award, I know that would be an ill-intended decision. So... We're just gonna, yeah. Instead, James is making faces at me right now. Instead, <laughs> this is an audio medium. Uh, instead, we are going to uh, be talking about The Amazing Spider-Man. Okay. Uh, this is Andrew Garfield's appearance as Spider-Man, a new-ish origin story. Um, we get the parent stuff here, which mm-hmm. doesn't exactly help the kind of orphan thing I was just talking no. about. Like we get way, a little bit too much context. Yeah. It almost feels very clear after the first five minutes of this movie that we didn't need anything about the parents. Um, so I guess I'll just say this now. 
I feel like this movie feels like uh, Todd Phillips, the Joker in the Spider-Man universe. I feel like we are watching a character like I, I brought him up so much in this podcast. We are Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver. Mm-hmm. I feel like we're watching an origin story of a stalker like figure mm, that interesting happens to make the right decision. But it feels like the Spider-Man could have turned into a actual dark well, version. Amazing Spider-Man 2. Yeah, I guess is a little stalking bit Gwen around the city of that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. I almost feel like if they leaned into that and did the whole David Fincher route, this would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah, uh, really yeah, you're dark. right. It would have yeah. been interesting franchise turn. Um, so this movie is on rewatch actually pretty good. Uh, I kind of like that Peter yeah. is a little unlikable. I like that he's kind of a jerk to everyone that he is talking to. Um, even Flash Thompson, who is a, a caricature, who is like throwing yes. him into lockers, who mm-hmm. Peter literally dunks on, not like through his language, but literally dunks on a in like a CW Ripley alien three scene or resurrection. The, uh, backboard. Yeah. Right. Of course. I mean, American History X, ever seen it? Like that oh, yeah. happens. Uh, so, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel exactly about this this movie as a whole, but I do like it as an origin story when it comes to like homecoming and the first Spider-Man from Sam Raimi. I do think it's like, it does well in comparison to those films. Um, I think the villain going to Kelsey's logic is actually very poorly written in this movie. I feel Mm -hmm. bad for the Connors character because it just doesn't really work. The lizard kills it for me too. I think what works most about this movie is Peter and Captain Stacy arguing about like political philosophy at dinner table at the mm-hmm. dinner table. I think that that element really works as like Peter's own el- his own villain being himself. I think it's almost like the mirror, uh, the reflection that Tom Holland sees in Homecoming is the way that like Peter's looking at himself and Captain Stacy. And I think that is yeah, effective. His own, like narrative of him being a hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think when the score from the great James Horner is playing, and you have. Uh, Captain Stacy actually finding out that Peter is Spider-Man at the end of the movie and he takes off his mask and he sees that it's it's all the more effective because you realize that like these two characters who are kind of enemies are seeing a, a theme that they're both like relating to about helping you know save people yep. um, so ultimately this movie is riding on the Andrew Garfield Emma Stone will they won't they mm-hmm. and that really works I think it's well shot I like honestly it sounds kind of too film bro-y but I like the color palette I like that's a little darker I like that's a little gray plays a blues um and I like the idea of having a kind of like dark jaded uh rebellious spider-man yeah, figure even if he's like a little a twerp, creepy sometimes like he's he seems kind of cocky and it's like very I I think the writing at least for his character, or maybe it's just really the way Andrew Garfield also like leans into it yeah. sure. is it is showing that he is like being hasty and should be more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Like even within Andrew Garfield's performance. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, do you think that his Spider-Man is more interesting or do you think his Peter Parker is more interesting? Oh, interesting question. Um, because his Spider-Man is doing some pretty dark stuff. Like when he first makes his suit, and he's got his web shooters that he creates and they're mm-hmm. like creases in his suit. So it looks kind of real, even though it's like really legit going back to our phantom thread joke. Like, <laughs> yeah, is this guy Reynolds Woodcock or whatever? <laughs> like probably. Um, but he's like webbing the guy he thinks killed uncle Ben and he's doing it in like a really aggressive way, but he's like making jokes while he's yeah, doing it. It's really dark. Yeah. He like moment. hides behind him in the car that he's stealing. Yeah. And yeah. There's this weird play. This cat That's and mouse. Thing. He like almost suffocates him and then yeah. pokes holes and then he pokes the, holes. The nose, yeah. And then he tells the cop he was doing his job. Like, 
not against criticizing police and law enforcement in a problematic institution, but like also you have serial killer vibes, bro. Like it's a little bit weird. Yeah, because so, he's like 17 or whatever. Yeah, whatever, however old he is. Um, so make, that was odd. Yeah, it makes it hard to detach the Peter Parker from the Spider-Man in that movie because he has these kind of insecure um, kind of pseudo arrogant qualities as Peter Parker. Mm-hmm. And then they just come out as full, just like hubris when he yeah. is Spider-Man. Yeah, I um, agree. Yeah. Kelsey. Um, yeah. I mean, I think that the thing holding this together, like amazing Spider-Man two is the Gwen and Peter like story relationship. Line. This yeah. whole arc just because Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone, who I think were they dating in this movie or the second they movie? started. Well, I think we don't, know. I don't know. We wouldn't know, but they did know. date for but, a while. Yeah. But they have so much chemistry, although there are obviously like some, the same things that we've been talking about with like Gwen and MJ um, writing like the, like let's, let's just have some consent in uh, yeah. superhero movies, but also um, when she's like telling her dad to go away cause she has her period and her dad's like, okay, ah, like Say less. Yeah. I don't want to be around for this. It's <laughs> it like, just okay. runs away. Yeah. It's like so weird. Anyway, but like, what year was this movie? 2001? <laughs> 2000. Well, yeah, it yeah, was like, that long ago. It's only 10 years. Also, like her outfit uh, at her internship, like stockings up, just showing her like inner thigh. I was like, mm. oh, okay, like this is just, I don't know. I, the things I do like though is that they compete over being the smartest. Yeah, at I love school. that. I think that's cute. That's also true to the comics too. So that, I really like that. Yeah. And I think like later on in uh, Tom Holland's verse, we'll see like even more like on the nose MJ saying, like, oh, I'm pretty and therefore I have value, like really mm-hmm. trying to like make up for the Andrew yeah. Garfield and Tobey Maguire uh, Spider-Man right. movies. Yeah, but, that was like really on the nose about it. Yeah. Yeah, but I, things I do like about this. Oh, wait, before I go on, we have to give a shout out to Gwen Stacy's brother at the dinner table. Oh, Skylar DeSando. Yes. All right. We know oh him from Booksmart. We know him from Licorice Pizza. Righteous Gemstone. The famous anti-Vietnam <laughs> protester, atheist, Skylar Gisando from Licorice Pizza. He's awesome. And then also, like, if you haven't, if you have seen all those movies um, and haven't seen Class Rank, that was the first time I saw him. I think it's on Netflix. Actually but, a good movie. Yeah, it's yeah. great. I think it's being remade with uh, someone, That's like another depressing. child actor. It's coming out to theaters. Anyway, him in that. So, um, or a similar plot, at least it seems. Yeah. Okay. Also, but, the right. Well, I mean, I know you already said it, but you love that show, right? The Righteous Gemstones. I love that show. Great James, show. Yeah, yeah, you watch yeah. it too. Yeah, love it. Um, yeah. The last season was like fell off a little, but mm-hmm. I don't care. Like, I just want to be. It's an outrageous, have another season coming out. <laughs> outrageous satire. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in for it. So, I think the other thing that I enjoy about this is Uncle Ben. I like Uncle Ben and Peter's relationships. It felt a little bit more believable where I have nostalgia tied to Tobey Maguire's um, Uncle Ben death scene. Like that yeah. is what I think of when I think mm. of a Uncle Ben. Um, the actor is really good too in the original trilogy. Yeah. 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 So, so like I have so much nostalgia tied to this, but this one, it felt more realistic. Like yeah. when Ben went to pick him up from school after he dunked on flash, he was like, Oh, do you like feel better now picking on someone? Yeah. I was yeah. Like, that's good. That or, you good. know, like, um, that's a good job. Like Uncle 16 ben. year old me was like, Oh <laughs> yeah. Well, like the parent child relationship was something that I bought in with. And yeah. then the death was believable too. Right. Because they just had a fight about Peter not following through with his responsibilities right. and it didn't feel super on, on the nose. It felt like it could realistically happen where he was like, Oh, well I was just wronged. Cause I was a sent off from buying this chocolate milk. I am going to let this guy go. Yeah. Um, and then after Ben dies, I do like, that may is genuinely worried about him. It feels like they also have a relationship uh-huh. more so. Um, and especially when she says like secrets have a cost, they're not free. 
Yeah. Not now, not it's ever. Pretty decent line there. Yeah. So something I noticed about rewatching this is I I was kind of like, maybe it's just getting older. Like we're all t- 28, James, you're 28, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I think I've realized rewatching these that it was hard to relate to The Amazing Spider-Man when we were in high school because I think we were 17 when this came out. And I was thinking when we watched it, this sounds like my dad's generation because he's got like 20 years on me and it feels like a Gen Xer making a movie about millennials. And I think that's why I love the Tom Holland movies because it feels mm-hmm. like an older millennial making a movie about millennials yeah. and not Gen Z's yeah. mm-hmm. without, you know, they might not realize that or not sure. until they get older, but it does feel like that. And this is one of those situations where I was like, I didn't know too many skater kids that were this rebellious. I saw them from afar in entertainment and pop culture yeah, um, or they were a lot older than me. Uh, but this just wasn't someone I really knew. It was confusing to to have that uh, persona be Spider Man. Yeah, when, when that first came out, for sure. Yeah, it was. I felt like disconnected. Whereas yeah. I feel like when we were ending high school, it was there. But I feel like what we saw more of was like the uh, the smart kids started being prom king. Whereas like this generate this amazing Spider Man kind of prompts you to think that like still the jocks like Flash Thompson are doing super well. Um, but I just feel like that you're not really seeing that as much. Yeah, it's yeah. more stereotypical. It felt like like a CW villain mm-hmm. or something like yeah, that. Riverdale stuff. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yes. Like it, I, I didn't relate to this idea of like a, a teenager that's like angsty in, in this specific way. Yeah. And I think that like also something that works against this movie is the villains of just the Amazing Spider-Man movies. Lisa like, Fons, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Connors, he... he's tied to him through his dad. But other than that, like he just wants to very confusing. um, Good performance in the tough role. It's like good, right? He's like, Oh, well maybe we could have this technology to like cure everyone. Once we find something, you know, find the antidote. But then he's like, Oh no, let's like make everyone lizards. Yeah. It it doesn't highlight anything (laughs) that for maybe not anything. It just, it just doesn't do a good job. I will say leading up to that scene, it was really cool to watch the, as soon as Peter unveils that he's like uh, Spider-Man and captain Stacy goes, Oh wow. I didn't realize that. And then Peter, webs away uh spider-man gets shot in the leg by one of the cops yes. i like that scene and kelsey goes oh yeah <laughs> i did how she goes how does he how's he gonna go to the how's osborne building and save gwen <laughs> spider-man yeah come on. uh but yeah it was really kind of like very corny webbing from machine to machine uh-huh. for them to really insert the new york kind of vibe of all these the community being on yeah, spider-man's team because he saved, the he saved their kid earlier i was in on it because Honestly, it's because I love Andrew Garfield. And I think that's the biggest failure of the sure. movie is like, I care more about the actor yes. than the writing or special effects yeah. or anything else that's going on in the story. I like that guy who's that playing Spider-Man. Sense, yeah. Um, yeah. But anyway, so. I was just like totally weird all over the place. Like there was a, yeah. a fight scene in the school yep. where the lizard is fighting Spider-Man and there's like happy-ish music playing. It uh-huh. almost seems like and inspirational. Stan Lee is a janitor so cleaning the yeah. library. Yeah, yeah. but so I mean- I'm I'm good with Spider uh, Amazing Spider-Man being like in this bracket. Okay, so we have the Amazing Spider-Man two, number nine, number eight, Spider-Man three, number seven, Spider-Man Homecoming, number six, the Amazing Spider-Man. Kelsey, you have the number five pick, and then we're gonna go to intermission. Okay, so I have the number five pick. I'm this also... is actually going to make or break whether this l- ranking looks anything like mine. I don't know about you guys. It's already not looking like mine at all. Yeah, because uh, Homecoming was your four, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, at number five. I am going to do Spider-Man. 
the original Spider-Man 2002. The original Spider-Man 2002. <laughs> Can I say something? Yeah. I think this was my number five. I have to look. Kelsey, it was my number six. So we're in the same place with this, this one. This is my number five. Wow. Wow. This was... I just wow. did such an Owen Wilson. Yeah, wow. I, I was you don't to, know me. This you was my... Me. I thought you were the Sam Raimi boy. Th- yeah, this was, this was lower for me, actually. So... Okay, Spy- I, I was just waiting for a veto from James, honestly. Okay, okay. so <laughs> this is obviously iconic. <laughs> no Peter Tingles here. Right? Like, um, we have the 2000s cheesy, like, Power Ranger Green Goblin suit. Yep. Um, but it's really fun, and, like, you just can't separate, like, the first time you saw Spider-Man, like, as a kid to re-watching it. So, yeah. like, I mean, I, I love rewatching this movie for that reason. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we have James. Do you want to do you want to do it? Our favorite line. Back to formula. <laughs> First, <laughs> we attack the heart. <laughs> no, I was talking about the can the Spider Man. Oh, can the Spider Man come out to play? Guys, no way home. Isn't I that No love, Way Home? Or it's no, both. It's, it's a far away home. Far from home? No, no, no. It's in Spider Man. It's then, in Spider Man, and it's in uh, No Way home. home. The No Way Home. Or No Way Home. No Way yeah, Home. Yeah, when Guys, he comes the homes back. Are tough. Yeah, all the homes are very it. tough. So uh, anyway, I love that line. Yes, from my dad. (laughs) (laughs) That's all I heard. Okay, so we have Peter Wright. Like I said, the Uncle Ben death um, is something that lives in my mind as like the the thing I'll think of as like the beginning of Spider Man. Right for me, especially since I didn't watch the cartoons like Mm -hmm. you all uh, growing up. Yes, and you know we'll talk a little bit more about MJ. We already have, um, but I do like the villain. In this movie, I mean, Norman Osborn, but especially Willem Dafoe, like what an iconic actor to have in a superhero movie. Mm -hmm. And I just really like the idea of that his villain doesn't want to be a villain at Mm -hmm. the first part. Like he's kind of afraid of what's inside of him. And so I genuinely like also like that Norman Osborn, even though he's like a kind of a terrible person it seems like he's kind of like an elitist asshole who yeah. thinks like MJ's a gold digger or whatever but i i think something that works as far as the tension with uh peter is that norman osborn is kind of like a father figure to peter in this movie yeah um and then harry it's kind of a low key part yeah and harry i actually Norman's believe arc. that he's kind of jealous of peter because he's like uh you know norman voices in certain ways or just gestures that like Peter's the son that he wanted. Exactly. Never had. Yeah. 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 And I think he's Peter, uh, jealous of Peter because of MJ too. And that's kind of Mm -hmm. a theme that continues on into the second film. Yeah. And I, and I like green goblin also like wanting to join up with Spider-Man, which was something that I kind of forgot about. Oh, wanting to create like the sinister six. Yeah. He drugs him, brings him to that roof, kind of like slaps him on the shoulder and he's like, we could be great. Yeah, I was actually the most disappointed in this movie on rewatch. I was really hoping to like love it more than some of the Tom Holland films we'll get to. And I think this was a top four movie for me before revisiting it. But watching this Holland trilogy, like a few days after this original trilogy, really put things into perspective for me. Obviously, we'll get to some of those. Uh, but I, I was a little bit disappointed on rewatching this movie. I think it was with Peter. And I think it was with Tobey Maguire's performance, which I talked a little bit about in Spider-Man 3. It just didn't work all the way for, for me. But I'll talk about some things I liked. Peter getting bit by the super spider. 
was cool where yeah. his DNA was getting like mutated. Yes. I liked that. A lot of interesting um, cinematography with, yeah. you know, CGI zooming in on DNA and right. even the spider itself crawling on Peter's hand and, and these insane I like the insert shots of, on of those faces things. and bodies. And it's, it's kind of jarring. And if Toby Maguire, I keep saying Toby Maguire, but just to kind of like differentiate between these Peters, I'm just going to say the actor's names when Toby Maguire is like getting his spider sense and he's fighting flash Thompson mm-hmm. and they're doing the insert on like a fist going past his yeah, face. Yeah. Fly. He's like genuinely, it's very surprised. matrix yeah. kind of cinematography. It yeah. reminds me of Keanu Reeves in the matrix yes. and the way that he was, uh, and the way dodging he went through bullets. his dodging. Yeah. And actually he does it a little bit too. Like Peter does, in the when the house is burning down and Green Goblin throws he's like his, his weapons at him, yeah, yeah. That's and he's right. falling back like mm-hmm. he is he's literally doing like a side Neo. flip through the air. Yeah, so I think those are pretty iconic scenes with using power and practicing the webs, like the go web go and all that yeah. stuff. Shazam! <laughs> that yeah, Shazam! <laughs> that really works. Um, and I also think the killing Uncle Ben works the most in this movie. I think Kelsey, you were talking about that more than other movies in the future. I actually think even killing. But Aunt I don't know May. how much of nostalgia is tied to that for me because I okay. actually think it's more realistic in the in the Amazing Spider-Man. Interesting. Yeah, you mean the milk carton thing? Yeah. Like, yeah, that is more like it realistic. felt like it felt like I I know that he was coming off a really big like fight. He, it felt like he was a teenager. Mm-hmm. This one feels like very written and also, but it's hard because I give this movie a lot of like benefit uh, yeah. uh because it's a 2000s movie so sure yeah i no i, I like agree with that just the nature of movies that were written then but i mean if we are doing a ranking like yeah go for it i'll get to it in no way home but i think the aunt may one was probably the most undeserving and so like i i really do yeah. think it still works though in this original okay. this original movie the person i want to shout out from this original spider-man that really stood out to me was j jonah jameson Yes. J.K. Simmons yeah. as Jameson is- Spectacular performance. Is so great. So much so they bring him back for every movie. Yep. For I almost every it. film. It's so good. I love it when like he's telling Peter about how he wants a job. He's like, no jobs, freelance. Best thing in the world for a kid your age. You bring me some more pictures of that newspaper selling clown. Maybe I'll take them off your hands. But I never said you have a job. Meet. I'll send you a nice box of Christmas meat. It's the best I can do. Great impression. Get out of here. <laughs> um and later, I really like something about about J. Jonah Jameson, which they never show us again in any of these movies, and I wish they would have in this trilogy, is when Green Goblin yes. takes him, and he says, who's been taking your photos oh, yeah. of Spider-Man? Says, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, yeah. just give me photos. And he's like, I swear, I don't know who he is. And then, uh, yeah, he doesn't tell him. Peter. I thought yeah. that was pretty interesting. It's pretty noble. That character, yeah. even though he's a piece of shit. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Yeah. So I, I think there are things to really, really like about this movie outside of like the nostalgia that's impossible to detach from where we yeah. are today. Even the Thanksgiving Day Parade, even though the kind of like the bodies falling apart into ashes after Green Goblin oh, throws his bomb. Absolutely brutal. Yeah, yeah that's br- that, honestly, it doesn't really work like <laughs> visually, but it is actually yeah. kind of gross and and terrifying that yeah. he's doing that and he's causing all this havoc in this like uh in this thanksgiving day parade and i thought that was really cool yeah mm-hmm. i also like the i mean like harry as as a character really doesn't work in a, amazing spider-man mm-hmm. and then we don't really see a harry again like in the tom holland verse so out of the two harry's like <laughs> which it's not really a contest yeah oh, no, he's yeah. better of the two but i I do like the idea that he's a toxic friend, like from the jump, right? Like such Peter, a high school thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, Constantly just, they kinda, just kind of like are, are the using like, Peter to feel better about himself. Yes, exactly. Yeah. They're, but they're both kind of like outcasted. And mm-hmm. um, so that they feel like they have a connection through that. But Peter like kind of realizes that he's not a good friend. And yeah. um, 
like when he tells Harry the science facts at the museum, uh, Harry shames Peter for, and yeah. he's like, who would want to know that? And then Harry like, goes over, would, tells so Mary mean. Jane. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then you know, it's a defense mechanism. Yeah. 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 So I just Settle like the down. idea that he actually is a toxic friend and we have, I believe like when he turns or when he finds his dad's stuff that he yeah. would actually like follow his dad's footsteps. It's a succession story. Yeah. yeah. And, and they also like they're, you know, the writing is self-aware of that. And when Harry is dating MJ and after the incident on the balcony during the Thanksgiving day parade and MJ almost dies, like falls to her death, uh, Spider-Man saves her. And then the next day, I think Harry's on the phone with her and he's like, Oh Yeah. Oh. I want to buy you something. Yeah. Like, yeah let yeah. me buy you something. Just let, no, no, let me buy you something. I don't want anything, but it's more for me. <laughs> yeah. I feel better about myself. Oh God. Also, I think later on the Thanksgiving scene happens, which is one of my favorite scenes in Spider-Man and any of the franchises, which is that Toby Maguire as Peter Parker says, had to beat an old lady with a stick to go and get this like cranberry sauce. And then I love Norman Osborn sharpening the yeah. knives yeah. And, and Aunt May hitting his finger out when he tries to have some sweet potato, which was like relatable. And he looks at her like he's going to kill her. Yeah. Lose it. Yeah. And then we have the, uh, Kelsey's famous weird hospital scene between Peter and MJ after green goblin, like <laughs> F's up Aunt May's house. Well, this scene is so funny. I, Kelsey, I you want five minutes of this? Love it. I, cl- I clear out. love it. It's when, so Aunt May like opens her eyes. She's like listening to this conversation. Yeah. Um, and MJ says like, you know, well, does he like, what does he say? Cause Peter says that he talks about you and he goes, <laughs> uh, well, uh, you know, Spider-Man, I, I said, I said, Spider-Man, uh, you know, the great, great thing about MJ is when, you know, you look in her eyes, she's looking back in yours and then yours, like everything yeah. feels not quite normal, but you feel stronger, <laughs> but you feel weaker. But at the same time you feel this, but at the same time you also feel this and yeah. you also feel like, it's like, oh, dude. And Aunt May is just like, how oh do I gaslight MJ into liking me? <laughs> <laughs> and there's like this romantic music playing in the background. <laughs> yeah. And it is so cringy. And got you gotta this... think, you gotta think Aunt May's like, who the fuck is well, this nerd yeah. I raised? Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. this smile on her face. I don't know if you guys noticed that in the movie, she's like laying in the hospital bed, like this yeah <laughs> so uncomfortable but i mean i think that that whole thing and and mj in general is really tough on rewatch um yeah. she's and got a tough like arc too yeah. well for all of the movies but good. especially it's really bad this one like anytime that she calls him tiger cringe like this kind of nerd gaining mm-hmm. power fantasy and even with the wet t-shirt like that's a great way to put it i know that uh that that is an iconic scene and like i have like a, a nostalgia of like the upside down kiss sure and i know that that was like a sexual Why people went crazy over that one people everywhere everywhere but i <laughs> i do think it's like again it's just so cringe yeah. to like obviously yeah. um I mean, that, it's wildly that scene in MJ's character i mean I don't know. I mean, I'm just thinking about myself at eight years old. Yeah. Watching this. Yeah. 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 On that a massive that and the Megan Fox scene from Transformers were like two scenes really where I was like, as a little girl That's, watching that, I that was That is like, the connection. Damn, yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. You can see. It really is wild to watch like woman characters have like full independence and autonomy and have leadership abilities or actually be well represented in film throughout the 70s through 90s. And something happens with exploitation advertisements and marketing mm-hmm. through the early 2000s and on that just like fucks up our whole generation and like how we... Uh, objectify women's yeah. bodies and like Kirsten Dunst and Megan Fox, two of the actresses that really went through it for our age group in the two thousands. Um, yeah. Wow. It's awful. I want to talk about the fight scenes. Uh, okay. 
The final fight scene? Yeah, I, I have the final fight scene. Yeah. So brutal. Uh, so I love when, well, I, yeah, it's great that Spider-Man's actually getting like beat up too. Um, I like seeing like blood. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's It was similar to when we saw- You're right. We don't really see blood anymore. Just, <laughs> the hell's wrong with you? No, I, I, I like think that's right. I like seeing blood. But yeah. I, I like the, I like right. the idea of- <laughs> Peter Parker getting like beat up and <laughs> don't tell Harry. <laughs> and then also um, the, the scene actually, before we even get to that last scene, uh, when green goblin um, makes Peter choose yeah. between Mary Jane brutal. And then the train of like children, I was like, Oh, this is so dark night fairy scene, right? Yes, like exactly. the choosing between. Um, and then, you know, having um, that was a great juxtaposition of the identity 100%. issue as Spider-Man yeah. and like having MJ and the kids. I just wanted to like uh, just quickly note that um, the problem with that scene is that those kids live and MJ also lives. True. And yeah. I think that's kind of the biggest issue of the end of that movie. I feel like it's a cop out. Yeah. I feel um, like the, the whole thing with Dark Knight is that my guy loses his partner. Like that's yeah, that's a big deal at the end of that movie. So that like yeah, that removes the stakes from the movie immediately. Yeah, after he saves both, and I think in, they kind of this... fix that in No Way Home when they bring Norman back and, and yeah, he we dies. Got, we'll talk about it. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, sorry to interrupt you, Kelsey. I just want to get the oh no, you're good. Wait, Norman doesn't die in No Way Home. No, he does not. No, I was saying Aunt May dies. I'm saying you said, but it sounded like you said Norman dies. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, so oh, Norman. Gotcha. Yeah, Norman and Peter. Thank you. Norman and Peter fight in No Way Home, but Peter loses Aunt May. Oh, okay, got I yeah. thought you said Norman. Um, but. Okay, so yeah, like I, I agree with that too. But I think that in the end scene, then when we're getting there, I like that Norman ends up like killing himself because there's still like where we don't have the stakes with MJ uh, like dying mm-hmm. or maybe Aunt May, um, even though you're saying it didn't, it wasn't deserved in like the Holland verse sure. or, or whatever. Probably not. Yeah, and um, I, I agree actually, but but I do like that Norman ends up like killing himself. Yeah. Um, and it didn't feel like defeating another villain, like the lizard antidote or like Spider-Man saving the day. It was like, he actually wasn't able to help Norman. Well, that's a part of his through line in in no way home when Toby comes back and he tries to stop Tom Holland from killing. He said he's been thinking about the antidote for a while. Yeah. 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 And feeling regret guilt for letting this man, like his vengeance overcome him. Yep. Um, I mean, I, damn, this movie sounds way better when I say it like that. <laughs> well, in the no, context like, of, yeah. of No Way Home, it really the, does fix a lot the of the full issues. nine story, or I guess in this case, kind of more eight film yeah, eight story films, yeah. of, of all these characters. You know? Yeah. Um, should we talk a little bit about the iconic uh, Spider-Man funeral scene where Peter rejects <laughs> apparently the love of his life? Yeah. And then we cut to Spider-Man jumping off a building with an American flag in the background. Yeah. I mean, I do think like when I, the first time I watched it, I was like, what? But I do think rewatching it, you know, I was like, okay, he does understand that Aunt May was attacked and he doesn't want to put MJ in danger. It just doesn't, it totally um, makes sense I'm not maybe even makes sense. It just doesn't feel like a deserved thing because yeah. Toby Maguire's character is written so strange. Like he's stiff and yeah, he is like going to, to see her. Yeah. Uh, like he took like a bunch of trains to like, just go wait to see if she would like walk out of her, her job. You know what I mean? Like normal behavior. Yeah. Very, <clears throat> very, uh, it was different back then. Uh, so, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, it like, all, um, all those, the Spider-Man stalking storyline, why why was that thought to, to, I mean, it honestly though makes sense by the way they write the woman spider. characters. Uh, yes. That they, that they would do that, like I'm saying. Yeah, I, 
it's tough. I don't I don't really know how I feel. Do you guys how much of you guys thinks that the Peter Parker character, the way they wrote him is to relate to men who uh, excuse themselves from familial responsibilities because work is really hard right now. Like, cause that is kind of the vibe, right? At the end of this movie, it's like work's tough. I'm putting lives are at risk. Okay. Every day I go to work, there's just some Kendall Roy energy. I love the way he talks yeah. to Rava about the way yeah. he's like, I, I can't handle this right now. I'm Rava. I'm like dealing with like four continents. Yeah. So. Six, six continents exactly. on my back. I mean, yeah. Six continents. Yeah. yeah. Do you know what that means? Yeah, you mean you're too plugged in. You're too online. No context. There's that kind of. Right, we're doing a lot of succession Sorry. for people. Yeah. We're in the middle of succession, succession right now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, but no, I I do agree that it's like obviously he's singing in a much nicer way. It's Peter yeah, Parker. But but. Uh, but I think like this revisiting this, it's kind of like messy and not to bring up Spider Man three again. Okay, you think it's speaking you to think this? That it's, but okay, <laughs> I don't know. But it seems to be aware of that problem. Yeah. Um, especially when MJ is struggling with her career on Broadway and yeah. the writing for Peter's, for Toby's script, I don't know what I'm saying there, <laughs> for Peter <laughs> Parker turns to, you know what Spider-Man would do in this situation? Mm-hmm. It's this. Yeah. And so... The only problem with that is the decisions they make MJ have which, afterwards, yes, or even during, which is like not telling you mean him in Spider Man three in Spider Man three, which oh, is yeah, which is not telling him she got fired. That is written from such a male perspective, like lens of being like the only reason she doesn't, yeah, is because I'm talking about this and she's withholding this because she yeah, has a right exactly. to. But like that is not probably what happened in whatever personal life the male writer was going through at that time issues that he was going through. So I feel like that is like a weird still thing to write him up. But I agree that there's a self-awareness to Spider-Man three. They're trying to fix with. Yeah. The it's just that it, the tough part is, is like the MJ character is always just so bad. It's like not even a, yeah. a point. So I, I think that it's not even like an arc. Actually. Rewatching it's, this though, Trey, I do agree that I was like less uh, high on it. I think I do like the, I give it three and a half stars on letterbox. And I like hated myself. Clicking. <laughs> oh, wow. Save. I do like the, I do like the um, beginning, like where we're being introduced to Peter. But again, it's hard because the minute we get on the school bus, they're like 40 year olds. You know, <laughs> It's just like, there was a guy so, eating a jelly donut that yeah. Yeah, definitely was getting, it, just like it, it looks like a parody of itself. It's, yeah. Uh, it's a little rough. Yeah. I guess that was film and television throughout the nineties yeah. and two thousands. Yeah. 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 So uh, it's, it's like a weird thing of like, okay, well this is like a two thousands movie. It's like the first Spider-Man. So it has a certain place in my mind, but ultimately like I actually had it at number seven for me. It was number seven. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, our list so far is number nine, The Amazing Spider-Man 2, number eight, Spider-Man 3, number seven, Spider-Man Homecoming, number six, The Amazing Spider-Man, and number five, the original 2002 Spider-Man. So we are at intermission. Intermission. We have trivia. We have favorite villains. We have costs. We have a lot of things. Let's start off with- Let's do it. Trivia? Yeah. Sure. Okay. So I'll go first. You guys ready for this? I'm ready. Whoever just says it first- Okay. We'll just say wins, okay? Okay. It's a question. Okay. In the film Spider-Man 2, ever heard of it? Peter throws away his suit to mm-hmm. try and live a normal life again. Right. A man finds the suit yeah. and brings it to the Daily Bugle to sell it to J. Jonah Jameson. Mm-hmm. Okay. How much money does Jameson buy the suit for? $50. Like nothing. Like I'll give I was going to say like 300 but maybe that's what the guy James asked James got for. it. $100. 
Dude Dang. got a deal. J. Jonah Jameson got a deal. <laughs> Just to be specific. <laughs> Wild. A hundred bucks for the Spider-Man costume in deleted Shout scenes. Out Elizabeth Banks. Something we didn't watch, Kelsey. You've never seen, I don't think. J. Jonah Jameson uh, in a deleted scene is wearing the Spider-Man suit jumping around his office. Yes. I really? I've never seen, seen that. that. That's a real thing that happens. Is, I'm not kidding. And he's smoking a cigar, I think. Hell yeah. yeah. <laughs> J.K. Simmons. You can do anything. Uh, okay. That was I, that was okay. I think you guys did pretty well. Yeah. yeah. No, I mean, that was a good okay one. Okay, on my end. I feel like I could have found something better, but... I, uh, I think that's uh, a great it was, question. It was a good one. Yeah. yeah. Thanks, guys. I needed that. I needed that. Yeah. I, yeah I uh, you guys know what I'm doing right now? I get it. Andy I get Harvard? it. The right. No Way Home. Yeah. Uh, okay. Amazing. James, trivia? All right. Here we go. You got it. Another Spider-Man 2 trivia question. Oh, wow. <clears throat> Interesting. In, in Spider-Man 2, what is the perfume brand... That Mary Jane Watson Dior is advertising. What? This is so is it not specific. Dior? Wait, Spider Man Two. I'm gonna give you four. Yeah, I'll give you four answers. You can choose oh, multiple, multiple choice. choice oh, thank you. Oh, that's that's a very teacher yeah. thing of you to do. Yeah, yeah. All right, Mary Jasmine, Scarlet Scandal. Did you come up with these? <laughs> Absolutely not. Okay, I was like, this is pretty interesting. <laughs> Medina Mist or Emma Rose. Emma Rose. What the? What were the other ones? <laughs> uh, Emma Rose. So Emma Rose really? is correct. Okay, oh, yeah, yeah. I was going for any of the other ones, so that's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, right. that was great. I'm surprised that both of them are Spider-Man too. Kelsey, are you Spider-Man Mine's too? Mine's not Spider-Man too. Okay. I have two different questions. Okay. One is a trivia question, and the other one is not really a trivia question, but it's an interesting question. That's why you're the best. I know. Okay, so uh, my first one is: Where was each Spider-Man? bit by the spider that so we have great... toby we have andrew tom uh and miles, miles. okay yeah. so so okay. uh toby mcguire was bit on the top of his hand on his knuckle yeah well between the thumb and the index finger correct okay good call good call so we can do this as a team yeah, yeah let's do okay this. andrew garfield was bitten the on his shoulder neck neck okay mm-hmm. yeah back remember he neck? pulls off the, yeah, the, the web. spider good call james yeah good call and but, Tom Holland, we never see him bit. I, yeah, I don't. Does he say where he was bit? Where he was bit? Uh, his arm. I'm just kidding. I was looking at them like they would know the answer. No, we never know apparently where Tom Holland's okay, bit. But cool. we knew that. I, I think Miles, Miles was built, bit on the same thing as Toby, right? His hand. I don't remember, but I do. I think he was I bit think on his hand. hand. It was his hand. Okay. Yeah, okay. and then we had that great scene of him like just smashing great the spider. Question. Yeah. yeah, the way that? he kills yeah. it. The, the deadpan humor in the in the Spider-Verse film Pretty is incredible. Good. It's so good, yeah. yeah. Um, and then also, just for the Tom Holland, uh, there were things, I don't know if this is true, but um, one of the writers was talking about how he could have been like bit on a field trip or something at school, but they just didn't want to like, give that, well, details. Well, I guess that is true to all the Spider-Man films. He goes on a lot of field trips. I don't know what his school City he's going to. I, don't yeah, know. I think he's going to a STEM school, right? I mean, he, goes, he was in D.C, Miles, though. Like, he's going to, he's going to and some... Europe. Oh, oh I'm, no! Yeah, I meant no, 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 no. Tom, Tom Holland. Yeah, yeah. that's like a week Europe extravagant. Yeah, that must have cost them like <laughs> four or five k at dude, least. Yeah. yeah. Um. Okay. My second question is, um, and, and it, this might not be totally true based off of like the internet, but we'll go with it. And if you want to correct me, go for it. Um, and just the listen, listeners, listeners. Okay. Yeah. I was like, I'm not going to correct. You. Yeah, yeah. Um. But so we have people who were possibly but going to be spider-man okay Love so this. they were in the oh running to be gosh. spider-man Hell yeah. and my go. question for you it's not a trivia question but who do you think 
would be the best oh, runner be. up Spider-Man. Yeah. And I'm going to, so there are a couple of different ones that I just pulled from okay. different lists. So like some people were trying out for the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man or some people were trying out for like the Andrew Garfield. So I'm just going to put them in the list that I saw okay. that I thought was interesting. And you can tell me which one was the best. Okay. 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 So we have Jake Gyllenhaal, yep. Leo DiCaprio, right. Tom Cruise, Asa Butterfield. That was a different time. Asa Logan Butterfield. Lehrman. Oh, you know I love Logan James Lerman. James Franco. Dylan O'Brien, Logan Dylan Lerman. Dylan O'Brien. Those are my guys. And Heath Ledger. And again, these could be, okay. you know, one of, because I, I didn't know gotta, about Dylan O'Brien or Heath Ledger. After Asa Butterfield. So just Logan. Just be clear. Are we talking Franco, day after, are we talking day after tomorrow? Dylan O'Brien and Heath Ledger. We're talking day after I think, tomorrow. I think the way we do this is like, they're oh, all in their prime of like, like Spider-Man age. You know so, what I mean? So I do think Jake Gyllenhaal and Dylan O'Brien fit. The I am hot and I also look like I could be smart. I mm. think Logan Lerman would have been a, a solid pick. So don't, yeah, don't test me because I, I'm in. I already don't, you don't have to say anything pick. else. I'm in. Okay, I just need well. one more person. Logan Lerman, <laughs> mine stock, a little my, late. So do you want to know my pick? <laughs> Perks I think of being Wallflower. Asa Butterfield is my pick. Yeah, I could see that too. So speaking of sex education, the first person I thought of when you said this was Keeter Williams Sterling, who plays Jackson Marchetti in sex, edu- sex oh. education, I think he'd be the perfect Spider-Man. He has, he has the physique. He yes. looks super smart. Yep. He also is like kind of small, which I think maybe he's good sure. at yeah. the flipping thing that you need to do. Yeah, you need to be <laughs> if like If you're a Spider-Man, slender. the gymnastics yeah. of it all. Uh, so, um, and he's a hot guy. So yeah. I think that really works. Yeah, I, that's it's, the first it's actor tough I because of. a lot of these, these like actors have a sort of vibe like the Andrew Garfield but maybe some of them are like, too, like I don't know. They just don't maybe have the right look or so something. I think the obvious like, choice been, like Leonardo for Toby, DiCaprio would be weird to me. The to obvious switch for Toby Maguire would be too. The obvious switch is Jake Gyllenhaal for Toby Maguire. He's a better dramatic actor. He's funnier. There's something punk rock Andrew Garfield about him too. Um, listeners know that I, that's like one of my favorite actors, and I know Jake's going through it right now. <laughs> We're praying for him. Action movies. <laughs> like he, he's leaving his David Fincher era, Zodiac era, Nightcrawler era to do like Michael Bay films. We're here for it. Okay. <laughs> Everyone goes through different things. <laughs> um, I'm just happy. He's happy, but that's my guy. And I think he would have really killed it as a dynamic layered <laughs> Spider-Man. And I think he's actually a great mix between McGuire and Andrew Garfield. So yeah. that, I mean, I think that's why the joke of Mysterio is I think he Logan Lerman. He, I don't know, James. Do you notice a, that he was cast as Spider-Man know, in Spider-Man yeah. Two? Yeah. Okay. Oh wait, what? Jake Gyllenhaal because was cast Toby as Spider-Man in Spider-Man injured 2. his back so badly. Oh, um, in Spider-Man Two. Sorry. And the idea is quote, he injured quotes, his back. Injured. Trey is doing right now. Yeah. Uh, well, he's trying to get a higher medium. like pay, right? Yeah, he was trying. I think he was trying to get points on the movie. Honestly, I mean, uh, good for him. You know. I mean, I think he did all right. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I do think like Jake Gyllenhaal, Asa and Logan all have like the eyes, like the empathetic eyes the that kind you of, need. Yeah. The kind of sappy blue kind of. That's what I'm saying about Keter Williams Sterling guys. Jackson, he has the eyes. Yeah. Too. He also has the eyes. Yeah. He's I feel actually like 5'10". We're looked. like Dylan O'Brien, James Franco. Oh, he was 94. Tom Cruise. Give yeah, me like a weird vibe. Wait, what? Born 94. Oh. 28. Shout out. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, I, I mean, I I was just pulling from the ones who I guess were supposedly runners up. No, those like, all sound like people I've, I've heard. I've never heard Heath Ledger, uh, which obviously just tell me Heath Ledger either. in any role. And like, yeah. Well, he had like the 10 things I hate about you vibe, you know? Yeah, I think that's interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Was good, that it? Good job, Kelsey. That was yeah. fun. Those yeah. were good, good questions. Yeah. yeah. 
I can't believe also like I feel like a lot of my heartthrobs, Kelsey. I feel like you got to tell the listeners that was, that was probably a lot for me. Oh yeah, you could tell everyone choosing between Jake Gyllenhaal and Logan Lerman. And I mean Dylan O'Brien. This true. is like a, yeah. this is very Trey centric. Okay, <laughs> um, so let's talk about. Should we go? What do we want to do? Favorite villains and suits. Yeah. Can Spider Man come out to play? It's so, got to be Green Goblin. Right, the best villain of Spider-Man? I think the best villain as far as nostalgia, yes. But for me, like I think the most interesting villain is Doc Ock. Nice. I am torn between Doc Ock and Kingpin. Oh, Kingpin and Spider-Verse. Okay. I have some things about Kingpin later. I don't agree about Kingpin, but I do like Doc Ock. Um, Hmm. So I was going to say, interestingly enough, I was going to say Green Goblin or... Mysterio. So I didn't even have Doc okay. Ock there. I think I really like Norman Osborn as the foil to Peter Parker. Um, and I think Doc Ock really works in terms of like seeing Peter seeing his future self. I just don't like the whole idea that Peter is like fixing villains, um, which we're going to get to, I guess, in mm-hmm. uh, No Way Home. So I, I really, I think those three though, I agree with you guys, or at least those two, Green Goblin, Doc Ock, Two of the top three yeah. villains. I, I think we can all argue about the third. Yeah, I think Mysterio rewatching um, Spider-Man it's Far great. From Home. I was way more into Jake Gyllenhaal as the villain. The first time I saw it, I was like, this vibe feels off to me. It feels like too heightened. It's also because he has no powers. Yeah. yeah. Which I think is the Joker aspect of yeah, it. Yeah, and where the you're second, of this person. like when I watched it again, it just felt so much so much better. It felt like deserved even the like comedic parts. Um and also kind of like even more scary because of like the manipulation that that he is right. um that mm-hmm. the character is exploring like through that movie for me the reason i put, picked doc ock though um is because i just like the idea of the reflection point of him they kind of like quote each other um to each other throughout the movie mm-hmm. and then peter just like reminds doc ock of like what he had said before yeah there's um, even a point where doc ock's like i think uh, he's basically lost and yep. the sun is about to explode that he's created this nuclear fission Fusion, bomb. Yeah. yeah. And uh, Peter goes up to him to like help him because yeah. he's like laying in the water and one of his tentacles chokes, him, chokes yeah. him and Peter's just talking to him. He's like not even yeah. you know, webbing him. Yeah. And I do, you're like, right. That's great. I've been talking to it. I think development, you know, mm-hmm. beyond just the absolute brawl that happened in Spider-Man 2002 between yeah. him and the Green Goblin. And now Peter has been like, okay, I think I can speak my way out of this. There is, uh, for me to stick up for Norman real quick as the best villain, there is a moment that actually made me, the only time I teared up in the Spider-Man franchise outside of Gwen dying and outside of No Way Home was when uh, Norman, right before he becomes Green Goblin, like for certain this guy has turned, is he's put the Green Goblin mask on top of the chair yeah. in his house and it's talking to him, like mm-hmm. his his duality is mm-hmm. turning into a crisis. And Norman's like over his uh, fire in his living yeah, room and, his he, bathroom. and he turns around. He's like, no, like not Peter. Like he's like really oh, sad. Yeah. He like gets on yeah. his hands and knees. He's like, not Peter. Yep. And there's such a, uh, an emotional like nerve there that's going off that I really love in Defoe's performance that I think really kind of captures this almost like if Iron Man had to kill Peter Parker, mm. it is that similar Darkness. I think I think today, if we had a Sam Raimi Spider-Man movie today, it would probably be more fleshed out in our era of like understanding how to develop characters in a more appropriate way. And I think this could have been something really special. So mm-hmm. I almost, I guess there's a lot of nostalgia that. probably built into my like wanting Norman first. But I agree with you guys, Doc Ock, that might be number one. It's yeah. close. 
I mean, yeah, I mean, I could, I could be persuaded too, because again, Norman is like the stand in for the father figure. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, both okay. of them are complex and reflect Peter and in, in his, you know, most weakest vulnerabilities and insecurities about either, you know, confidence or uh, seeking guidance or, you know, seeing a part of himself in, in some kind of uh perverse way yeah and i and i also want to shout out um the prowler who's doing similar things to what james yep. is talking about yeah. um as kind of the foil to miles uh okay last question which spider person are we okay. from all these spider-man films oh james thought God. of this question like really right before we started recording so i am in the moment right now um well so i was only when i was thinking about this earlier um i was only thinking of toby Maguire. Sure. Um, like, yeah. Toby, Andrew, Tom. Yeah. Okay, I'm ready. Okay. Oh, I think James is the mentor to Miles Morales, the Peter Parker who got a divorce from MJ in the Spider-Verse movie. Oh, the Jake Johnson voice. Yes. Oh, and I think Miller. Interesting. He's a mix of that mentor figure and I think Andrew Garfield's version. Uh, so I think he kind of has that alternative dimension Peter and Andrew Garfield Peter mix. Good parts only, man. Only the good part. <laughs> Thank you. There's a lot of bad parts. Yeah. This but I, I honestly, the mentor figure is the person I come away with the Spider-Verse movie, not to step on that as like, I'd like to see a Spider-Man movie of this character. This is interesting. Peter B. Parker. Yeah. Oh, is that what it is? Peter, Ben Parker? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's why I thought of James with Kelsey. I, I eat, think a lot, you, I eat a lot of pizza, you know, it's fine. That is true. The James pizza and anime movies pizza. look great. Uh, Kelsey, you are 1,000% Miles Morales. He is the nerdiest character of the Spider-Man characters, and he is in the nerdiest in the most endearing ways, and he has very awkward social cues well, thank you. that are very funny. <laughs> you have awkward social cues that are funny and innocent, um, and I think he's probably the most lovable of all the Spider-People, so I, I have you as Miles. So you guys are both like Spider-Verse characters for me. Yeah, wow. Honestly, I, I feel honored. Um, mm-hmm. I think Miles, Miles is, is great. like the best all right relax well <laughs> why don't you give away your list uh i think that i didn't i didn't think of like spider-verse characters though for um for this question just say what your heart says okay yeah. i mean i mean just remember we've said a lot of things about these characters so i got you attacked have to give some for that's, that's what so i'm trying to just... i'm trying to Think about how to let this. you guys down easy. Also, we're married. I guess I'm just a sad <laughs> pizza-eating Spider-Man, so let's, you know. Let's yeah. <laughs> uh, James, you go. Oh, okay. okay. James, wow. All right, up. I think that... You want me to vamp for you, or are you good? I'm still thinking. <laughs> Trey is the No Way Home version okay. of Tobey Maguire's Peter Parker. Okay. Okay. So I have some back problems, but I'm doing well. You're wearing youth pastors. You've got. I'm post quarter life crisis. (laughs) Yeah, you're post quarter life crisis. That's good. I was wondering about that recently. You have great perspective and calmness. Yes. About how to approach world breaking issues. Okay. Thank you. That's sweet. That is that is nice. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um, Um, Kelsey, you wouldn't say there's no incel culture though. There's nothing. No, no comment. Okay. Kelsey. Yeah. <laughs> no, there's no. Okay. That's good. All right. Just confirming. <laughs> Kelsey. I didn't know we were doing nice things. I came prepared to roast you why guys. Why does this feel like vows? Yeah, yeah, wait, what, like, what are we doing? Okay. Kelsey is spider ham. No. <laughs> Honestly, I was 
I that was, I was the ready. first thing I that I wrote I second was... in my notes. <laughs> um, okay. I don't know why Tom Holland's Peter Parker popped up in my head. I think it's the smile. I thought about Tom Holland yeah. too. You guys are you guys have a happy vibe when, when a, things you, are going well. Yes, like you always chime in with some like comedic perspective. So yeah, and you have a great smile. And Tom Holland has that when he smiles in the Spider Man movies, I feel comfortable. I mean, what? don't stop now. Kelsey's giving me a bad smile. Right <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, like, um, are we... Keep going. <laughs> but I think that... Okay, interesting. Tom Holland. And, I mean, you guys, you're just giving me the best. There's the only, best. guys, there's only, like, okay. six options. I'm happy with... I think... Angry Andrew and Mentor I, Peter. Yeah. I think that... It's like an East Coast neurotic, confident... Mm, yeah, I don't on. see... James, I mean, James, like, you're not, like, super... Uh, I can't, I can't put you with, well, I was like, about to sound like she was be like talented. <laughs> well, just keep going with the list. I, James is not like outwardly like a positive person. Like, I think like that you definitely are yeah. like optimistic, I, but, um, I, but I can't put you with Tom Holland. No, I'm not. Because, I'm not a Tommy. No yeah. way. Mm-mm. Or, or like a miles. Like, nope. I just don't feel like you have that vibe. I feel like. So, but I, I don't want to give you. Like, what are you about to do? What are you about to do here? What, what do you mean? Toby? Andrew Garfield. What do you mean? Just like how James said, I'm, I am a Tobey Maguire from No Way Home. Yeah. Andrew Garfield, we've learned he's pulled his punches, guys. Yeah. He's learned from his mistakes. I yeah. know that is true. That's By the way, true. I want to see that fucking movie. That, I think that. Where he doesn't pull his punches. Right? Yeah. Like, I think I this is it. like the longest part of the podcast where I, of course, we're just all stalling. Honestly, if li- listeners are here with us. They probably are interested in this. <laughs> I do think that I, I think of Andrew Garfield though. When I think of James, but not the like toxic parts, just, I don't know. Just the, it's the hot parts, man. Yeah. Just the hot parts. Man. Yeah. Thanks guys. Uh, but I do think the that there's something just, about like, I'm just a body. Yeah. It's fine. Just, uh, <laughs> like come full around on MJ. No objectifying <laughs> James. I will say that James is a focused person and that's, that's the Andrew Garfield and you're very passionate. That, yeah. Thank actually. You. Yeah, when Andrew Garfield is like making his own battery or he's trying to his do web. his yeah. web to deal with electricity, that, I can see some James in there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But really, you're Toby. Really, that's, that's I mean, what. I was waiting for you to say it. I, <laughs> I got this um, guise of Andrew, but you know. Dig on this. Dig on this. Oh my God. Uh, Peter, Trey, Peter, how you get girls is poetry. You insert James. Okay, we have to talk. We have to wait to talk about these scenes. Okay, these are these are iconic scenes. Yeah, of, you're right. I'm sorry. Just informing young Peter of how to act in the world, which I are apologize. Tragic. We'll so, get to it. but when I think Trey, I think Tom Holland. I mean, you don't really have like to most people. I don't think they would be be like, oh yeah, Trey reminds me of Tom Holland, yeah. um, Spider Man, because he's a little too happy. Um, not the. I don't know. Holland's Peter is too yeah. happy. Yeah. Yeah. Like people don't like automatically. They're like, I oh, think we- pre pandemic, <laughs> post pandemic Trey. <laughs> I do think it's been though, a lot. Things have changed. Not th- nothing's happened to me. It's just a cynicism about the world. That's all. Uh, I don't know. I think though, when you're having fun, you remind me of Tom Holland. Yeah. We shouldn't have done me last. I'm doing, you're I'm doing, doing a, depressing. I think you're doing, <laughs> I think it's candid. You yeah. Know? You are doing as well as Miles Morales would do with this question. Thank you. Very, Thank you. Yeah. All right. Full circle. Nice. Yep. Hello, everyone. You just finished part one of the Spider-Man ranking. You can click in the description for part two, where we go ahead and finish our ranking. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Go up, go. That. Go up, go. James, go up, go. Shazam. <laughs> <laughs>